You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 171, our Australian special. <laughs> Carlos here in the kitchen studio and as always, pushing all the buttons, the right ones, that is, it's my co-host, Matt Smith. <laughs> You're hopeful, the right ones, no chance of that, absolutely not. Do you like what I did there with the start of, start I, of the thing? Do you yeah, know what? Yeah. Anyone yeah. would think this is the... Australian special. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've offended most of our guests with it, but nevertheless, it was worth it. But they, anyone that's a didgeridoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grant's nodding. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's just like it's one of those things. It's like Grant, you have no idea how long it took me to try and find a didgeridoo that was in the right, right key, key of D to match <laughs> the thing of our the thing of our theme tune. I know I'm such a sad and pathetic geek, aren't I? But there we are. So I, I, and I didn't also didn't know that our show theme is actually in the key of D. So I learned something oh, yeah, we this learned morning. Something. Yeah. Uh, so it is the second of July. It's yeah. a Sunday morning here in the UK, just coming up past 21 minutes past 10 in the morning. And, uh, yeah, we have got a whole host of guests joining us on the show we this have. morning. Yes, absolutely. From Australia. R- right. Is that why it's the Australian I special? Know, I know. It's the old okay, special. Good, right. the old just special. one so our first guest joining us on the show from Australia this week is a guest we've had on the show before. And um, we're going to have to say a very good morning and welcome to Cathy Mexted. Good evening, Carlos hey. and Matt. Cathy, hey. <laughs> lovely to hear you. The Skype's uh, finally sorted itself out. How are Don't, you, Cathy? So why would you say that out loud? What's wrong with you? Well, jeez. <laughs> Let's just jinx it. Why don't we? Anyway, yes. So, so Cathy, I hear it's I hear it's been incredibly warm. Your uh, your end of the uh, country. Well, it was minus four last night out here. I live about an hour out of Melbourne, and um, it was minus four. We're a little bit higher than Melbourne. And there's a photo that I sent you earlier of our alpaca with ice on yes. it. <laughs> yeah, the the alpaca, the frozen alpaca <laughs> with ice. Not something you normally associate it's very with Australia. Very. It is indeed. Yeah, very absolutely. Very un-Australian. Very un-Australian. I know. I, I mean, it's like minus eight is just like like silly numbers, isn't it? I mean, it just doesn't make sense at all. So our second guest joining us this morning, this evening, and this afternoon, or on the show, is uh, is one of our wonderful listeners, and welcome onto the show, Glenn Towler. Hello. Nice to be here at last. Yay. Yes. So many. It, it's, right. it's been a bit of a battle, let's not lie. Uh, but yes, we've got yeah. you in the end. That's the main thing. You are here. My... So, Green... so I just haven't used my phone because it's the only thing that works. Okay, oh, so that's right. fine. We'll that's take fine. it. We've yeah. got... <laughs> <We're sweet. laughs> that is fine. That is all good. And next on our wide list of listeners joining us this morning, welcome to uh, the world-famous Ray Davis. <laughs> oh. Oh, good evening, fellas. I wouldn't go that far, seriously. Yeah, no, um, he meant infamous. How are we all doing? <laughs> yeah. He meant infamous. It's all right. It's fine. Don't worry. Are you are you well, though? Oh, right. Yeah, infamous is better. Yeah. Yes, I am. Thanks you very much, Carlos. Good, good, good. Thanks for joining us. And next on the list is uh, one of... Uh, well, he's going to keep us all in check because he, he has, he's got a very important job. Uh, with uh, with uh, air traffic control type Ooh. things, it's uh, ATC Ooh. Ben. Good evening, uh, gentlemen. Uh, it's, um, I'm joining you from the other side of the country to uh, the east coasters. There, 
I'm up in the far northwest, so where it's still above me 24 degrees. Oh, <laughs> right. Okay, it's not freezing where you are then, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> no, if it got down to minus three up here, um, yeah, people would just lose their minds. We're, 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 talk, we're talking <laughs> end of the world type stuff if it sort of gets down Pretty to Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> And next on the list, joining us this morning, and uh, it's one of our regular listeners on the show again, and, and well, welcome to Mr. Matthew Bunting. Hey, guys. How you going? Oh, ouch. Oh, that hurt. Oh, oh. It's a bit crappy. Someone, someone's <laughs> opening a pack of yeah. crisps somewhere. Yeah. Is Kathy eating sandwiches again? So, so uh, Matt, Matt, Mr. Bunting, whereabouts are ye joining us from this morning? I'm uh, joining you from the southern zone of Victoria on the Mornington Peninsula. Very uh, coastal down here. So I'm about uh, five minutes from the beach. Oh, and, nice. um, not quite as cold as where Kathy was last night, but uh, certainly had to chip the ice off the windscreen. Gosh, oh, blimey. I do, do you know, I, I, it goes to show how little I know about this world, because you, you, you sort of convince yourself that they don't get those kind of temperatures in Australia. You assume that, that ice is not something you're familiar with. But, no, I mean, it's just, oh, it's just, just astounding, uh, isn't it? Yeah, really? Could, Most could, of us just have it in our drinks, but um, yeah, yeah, we yeah, do get absolutely. it on. I, I was actually going to say, is there any chance you could send us some of this ice as proof, you know, that uh, right. it does exist yeah. in Australia? Okay, right. That might not work. I think we'll have to go with photos. I think okay. that, may, that may displease the uh, the postal system if they start getting bags of random well, water sent through the post. Anyway. Frozen lot. I think, I think Kathy's halfway there with freezing livestock. I mean, yes. I think we do export <laughs> yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last uh, guest on the show... But, uh, you know, everyone knows who this person is. It is the man, the legend. He is the man, the legend. The, 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 the PCDU of everything, well, <laughs> PCDU-ish. <laughs> yeah. So welcome onto the show, Grant the Tiger McCarran. Oh, hello. <laughs> day, and where's this tiger coming from? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think he had something funny in his cereal this morning. I don't know. It, no, it, it was when I was, doing, when I was doing the email. There is a story behind it. When I was doing the email to all you guys last night, I was listening to, to various tunes on my, um, right. on my playlist. Okay. And whilst I was writing out the list of guests, um, I have the tiger came on. Right. Okay. And I, I don't know why. I mean, <laughs> I mean in in Grant's defence, your chosen choice of very cheesy listening is not really his fault. No, no. <laughs> so I, I, I just for some reason I thought, hmm, Grant, I have the tiger McCarroll. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think we should move that. on. Uh, right. <laughs> okay. Good. Right. Uh, we're, we're yeah. Hi. It. Anyway, it's an awesome, hi, it's an hi. awesome song, yeah, Grant. Hi, Grant. Nice to have you. Uh, <laughs> Here. So, yeah. I, I'm guessing, uh, Grant, you're joining us from uh, McCarran Mansions this morning. Yes, McCarran H. McMansion, <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm here at, um, in, um, in Melbourne, and in um, we're not the inner eastern suburbs, we're not the outer eastern suburbs, so I call us the middle eastern suburbs, we just don't have the sand. Right. But, um, <laughs> yeah. And not dressed accordingly either. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <laughs> getting away with it. But I'm not drinking alcohol, I am drinking water, so hey, you know, who knows. What? But um, just for a change. What? But, uh, what? Yeah, have, know, have you, have you had know. some bad news from the doctor or something? What? <laughs> no, 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 no. I had a really, really, really big night on Friday. <laughs> oh, that's all right. That's fine. No, I, can vouch, I can vouch for that. I spoke to him on Saturday. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, uh, oh, right. Okay. Now, that's a lady that knows, isn't it? <laughs> there we go. That's, <laughs> I, I admitted that, yes, I may have had a slight hangover on Saturday morning. A couple but, of sugar uh, lemons no, I, um, yes. I was tempted to put either a, a Sailor Jerry's and um, Bundaberg ginger beer together for the show or a uh, 
like one of my patented Bloody Marys that rips the top of your head off with spiciness. Okay. So that may still happen when we go for the break. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Grant, Grant not only drinks well, he eats well. Because yeah. the last time I spoke to Grant on Skype, right. Kit was making some awesome food in right. their kitchen. Okay. Yeah, and it was, yes. if we had smell-o-vision, it would have been... Spicy, knock your head off, probably. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, look... look. It's it's not just beer that keeps me in this svelte figure. You right, know? Um, uh, indeed. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I think I think we should probably on. do some aviation yeah, related some stuff aviation related before stuff. before we start getting yeah. the complaint well, emails. I, I do have to say one thing on the weather oh. front. Given you know weather seems to be the topical subject here. <laughs> After living in Boston and going through a winter where we had a week at minus forty degrees centigrade. Whoa. I think you're all a pack of wusses if you think minus four is cold. Just rug up and have fun. <laughs> right. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> okay, slugger. The Oracle has spoken. I'm used to cold mornings. I go flying balloons. I just put extra you know, thick jumpers on and right. I'm fine. Okay, that's it. Yeah, good. Well, that's, that's a w- one way to lose the room. Well done, Grant. Thank you. There uh, we go. Okay. And, <laughs> before, we, before, we start, <laughs> before we before we start the news, a big uh, big welcome as well to everyone who's joined us in the chat room this Indeed. morning. Yeah. Uh, loads and loads of names in there. Um, uh, just thanks to everyone for joining us. I've got, I've got there's so many people to meet. Mention. Mm-hmm. So many people to mention, but thank you for all of you for joining us yeah. uh, in the chat room this morning. I'm sure you'll keep our guests well um, questioned. <laughs> That's right. the answer there. Okay. So we are going to start the show then, as we do each week with our rundown of the mm. weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Uh, never. Never okay, in a million well years. <laughs> and a joint if you're all ready, guys and girls, on the Skype call. Yeah. Pretty as we're going to be. Okay. Let's go. Okay. Here we go. So, kicking off this week's first news story on the DailyMail.co.uk site, this one. And the headline, Qatar, Qatar, Qatar. Oh, no. What you know you how doing? this goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Q Airways. It's Qatar. Yeah, all right, okay. okay. We'll go yeah, with Qatar. See, we can rely on Grant. We'll yeah. go with Qatar. Qatar <laughs> Airways files to rescue of strike hit BA as Middle Eastern Airline offers nine planes and air crew to help beat the 16-day walkout. So we had a bit about this a few weeks back, I mean, about BA's uh, strike there, having at Heathrow. So uh, four flights uh, have been cancelled as BA workers begin the first day of their strike at Britain's busiest airport. The airline has been inundated with tweets from unhappy customers complaining of flight cancellations while dozens of workers are gathering at picket lines on the edge of London Heathrow. Today marks the 16th, oh, the first of 16 days that uh, fed up employees at BA who say they are driven to action due to poverty pay conditions. This morning, oh, actually yesterday morning, it was announced that uh, Qatar Airways, who owns a 20% stake in the company, was loaning nine planes and staff to soften the impact of the industrial action. A worker from the airline told the Mail Online that nine empty planes were flown to London to help specifically in the problems. Today, uh, four flights have been cancelled, a uh, return trip to Muscat, Oman, and another from Doha. Oh, that's a, that's a flight I was on last year. Um, but uh, tomorrow... Or today, I should say, a further four flights to the same destinations will be affected as well. It's a shame this is really that this that it has to come down to strike action with BA. But at least, 
uh, Cutter are helping out with uh, sending the aircraft over here. This is something I think you guys over in Australia don't have to really contend with much. Airlines, I don't think Qantas ever. I think Qantas ever gone on strike. I Last time we had anything like this was during the uh, pilot strike of the 80s when they were bringing in aircraft and pilots from overseas. Wow. What about just before ANSET went offline as well, just before 9-11 there was a strike too, wasn't there? Yeah, not sure about that one, but I've, I do have to ask, has BA been hiring a lot of people from Alitalia lately? Because, man, I'm getting the same vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah they are, they're not in uh, too good a position, but I think... I don't know. It's, I don't know how much. I'd love to find out exactly how much what their pay is like with BA. Well, it's probably a bit bit more than minimum wage, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, <laughs> I would like know. to think it's more I than the minimum wage. Yeah. I think, I think because um, Nev's not flying for a couple of weeks, they're, they're crying poor because of his bacon rolls. And, and <laughs> that is a good point. To, yeah, to help supplement um, yes. our, newest, with tips. Uh, our newest member of the team is, has not been flying with them and they're very distressed about the whole situation, I'm quite sure. No, yeah. no I, think, I think as well the cutbacks that BA have made on their short-haul flights hasn't helped, I think, with, um, yeah, with the, uh, customers. But well, there we go. we'll have to see what happens really, won't we? I mean, it's, um, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? So moving on to the next news story, especially for Matt, this one, uh, on, on an appropriate uh, website as well. <laughs> Is it? right? Oh, it's on the Irish news, ladies and gentlemen. I wonder what that means. I wonder what that could be. Uh, right, here we go. Apologies mm. to all this Irish is actually, everywhere. This is actually a follow-up on a story we covered a few weeks back. What? So, yeah. Whoa, mm. you, you mean there's some context I to what know, we do? Wow, I know. this is frightening. The Irish News is the website, and the headline is New Study Claims That Ryanair Is Deliberately Splitting Up Groups Of Passengers Who Don't Pay To Reserve Their Seats. Now, actually, uh, here in the UK, if you look, uh, you, you might be aware of this story, because I know the BBC covered uh, quite an extensive interview with mm. uh, Kenny Jacobs himself, actually, uh, all, all about this particular story, where they denied it. So uh, passengers unwilling to pay Ryanair's fee for choosing where to sit on a flight are beating... Na <laughs> was it the Ryanair's fee for choosing where to sit on a flight are beating national lottery odds to end up in the middle seats, a, uh, a study has claimed. The budget airline has been accused of reserving more popular window and aisle seats for passengers paying the reservation fee of between two and 15 pounds and splitting up groups and families. Ryanair insists customers who do not want to pay for a preferred... Um, seat are randomly allocated one free of charge. Science to scientists at Oxford University were asked to investigate the randomness of the airline's seating arrangements for the BBC Consumer Affairs programme Watchdog. That's right, that's where I saw it because I was actually watching Watchdog with Steph McGovern, if memory serves. Uh, four groups of four non-seat reserving passengers were sent on four separate Ryanair flights. On all flights, every one of the travellers was allocated a middle seat. The research just allocated that in the likelihood uh, calculated that in the likelihood of all four travelers randomly ending up in the middle seats on each of the seats was around one to 540 million to one so it's 540 million to one were the chances of that happening uh, in comparison the odds of winning the national lottery here in the uk is one in 45 million uh, mm. so dr jennifer Ro rogers the director of the university statistical uh, consultancy said that this is a highly controversial topic and my analysis 
can cast doubt on whether Ryanair seat allocation can purely be 100% random. The scientists also canvassed 26 people on nine groups uh, who had been separated from their party when travelling with Ryanair. In, in a total, 21 of these passengers were allocated middle seats, adding these and the BBC flights uh, data together showed that every person from 11 out of 13 groups assessed had been given the middle seat. I mean, I won't go on because it's a, it's, it's, it's a, a pretty... <laughs> Uh, obvious story, really. Yeah, we I mean, did cover it a few weeks back, but it's. Yeah. Um, I, d- I, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's just but, I don't else think to moan the stats around. are correct, though, because if you are going to pay to reserve a seat, you're hardly going to reserve the middle seat, eh? No. Yeah, I see what you mean. I, I, I suppose I, I think I think the the stats that they were looking at was the the chances of of your entire party being split up. I think is more what where they were looking at it. Um, but uh, I suppose I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're that worried about who you're sat next to, then you're going to reserve the but seat. Some, so some people have quite rightly put on some of the comments on on uh, some of the social media that you know you, you, with a Ryanair flight, your longest flight is what four hours of Tenerife. I think it yeah, is something yeah, like not that. much longer than that. Yeah, most of their flights within an hour an hour and a half two hours long i mean if you're not sitting next to your to your you know your wife your wife yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you remember Jenna, yeah, right okay. yeah just checking so uh, you know, it's not it's not the end of the world yeah you know, it's not no, the end uh, but of the this world. Is, well and of course i can think of several situations where actually most people would relish the opportunity to be separated from their other half for mm. about four hours so you know it, it's not all bad <laughs> you know just have a bit of peace mm, and quiet yeah. for five minutes yeah you know it's it, it's fine I, the thing is is uh, i mean i we we People are very quick to sort of jump on the bandwagon and sort of do do bashing and stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, their flights are so cheap. I mean, there's no way that, you know, they can be making a great deal of money on the specific flight when it comes... You know, if you think when myself and Owen went to Toulouse, that was with Ryanair, and it was nine ninety nine. Uh, so it, it was 20 quid basically for us to go to Toulouse and back. Now, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, that, and that was what, uh, sort of an hour's flight, just over an hour, something like an hour, an hour and a half. So it's not a very long flight, uh, you know, for 20 quid. They're not making any <laughs> money on, on that flight. So they've got to make their money somewhere. And if it, it, if it means you can go to Toulouse for 20 quid, I don't really mind you know what they do if you choose not to book the seat then you have to accept that you're going to end up being sat somewhere else you know you might not necessarily be sat with the person you're doing i, I quite happily sit on the flight well, deck you know yeah you, you you can't do that that's but, quite true man like you just think about it from the point of view that if you're going in a, in a group you think okay let's be uh, let's be smart enough to think okay let's let's make sure we just book our tickets make sure we pay what we need to so we ensure that we've got uh, our seats together and not uh, you know go to chance at the at the counter when we get uh, issued our, our boarding passes, it's just silly. I know it's just crazy, really. I, d- I just don't understand why people are making so much of a fuss about it. You know, they, they, they've got to make. You know, they, it is at the end of the day a business that's trying to it make money. It's a budget airline. Yeah, it is a budget airline. I mean, is is there? I don't know. Uh, what's what's is is there an Australian equivalent? I suppose to the Ryanair sort of thing. <laughs> tiger. Tiger. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. There we go with the tiger again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is this one of these things where I've I've opened a can of worms that I wish I hadn't had the name mentioned for? I mean, presumably no, no, they. No. 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 But. They presumably hey, have a similar system. Well, if anyone from Tiger is listening, Steve is still waiting for his call. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> right. Dang. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you were going to say, Grant? Um, he is in Western I, Australia for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got one thing to say. I, I've got over on the other computer here on the side the, the article, right? And I'm looking at the, um, I'm, you know, RTFA. I'm looking at the Flamin article. And halfway down the page, there is an animated GIF... <laughs> 
Or just how he was. Of a Ryanair aircraft coming into land. With thrust reverse. Popping its goddamn thrust reverser cans. It's it's not even touched down and they're popping the right hand side thrust reverser. I did did wonder. I'm not flying Ryanair. I did see that. I actually saw that gif when I I saw the news story yesterday and I wonder whether anyone would pick up on that. But yeah, it is quite a disturbing video. Dude, you've got a chat room full of AV geeks. Of course they're going to pick up on it. What's wrong with you? There's nothing disturbing about it. No, no, no. Quite, quite rightly, Grant is right that that uh, initiating thrust reverse doors while still in flight is not normally a great idea. Um, it looks like they popped them just as the as the uh, autopilot went twenty feet. You know, <laughs> yeah, fifty. It would have to be because you would have to have a pretty good uh, systems failure for that to actually happen. Uh, I'm just trying to I see. No, he's I dropping just... the right hand wing. I'm just yeah, trying I, did, to... I, that, I noticed that, yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to see if I can get that to come well, up because it's not sort of uh, operating very photo, well. Is Photoshop's it? pretty, there we go. pretty funny. For the, for the benefit good, of those in YouTube, like you can uh, see now the video that we're, talk, we're talking about here of this. Uh, oh, yes. He, the thrust reverse also banking over opening. to one side a little. Is that what we're, what yeah, we're referring to? drastic. Okay. Perhaps that was, a, that was a touch and go flight or something. I don't think that's real. I know, I know, but... It's a it's a good one, you know. Sod your middle seat. I'm not flying your stupid <laughs> airline. Look what you're doing. <laughs> right. Okay. So on yeah, to yeah, the next yeah, story. Before we get sued, is, please. Uh, <laughs> this yes. one is on the Mail Online site, and uh, the uh, the headline named and shamed Ryan. Oh bloody Ryanair, oh, BA, no. and Thompson among top airlines that cheat passengers out of millions of pounds by refusing to pay them compensation for their delayed flights. Did you used to fly Thompson quite oh, a lot many one years, time? Yeah, 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 quite a lot, yeah. Airlines are cheating passengers out of millions of pounds in compensation for delayed flights. An investigation has found Ryanair, BA, and Norwegian Thompson Emirates are among the worst offenders, the consumer group which claims. Passengers flying from the EU or with an EU airline are entitled to up to three, uh, £530 if their flight is at least three hours late but which found airlines were wriggling out of paying up. Until last year, British passengers whose claims were rejected by an airline had to take their complaint to an industry regulator, the Civil Aviation Authority, which said the CAA ruled in favour of passengers in 53% of appeals. That's not really great, is it? During the 12 months uh, to last August. But some airlines were particularly reluctant to honour legitimate claims with the regulator telling Norwegian Air to pay up in 83% of cases. The Spanish budget airline Vueling, which is owned by the same parent company as BA, was told to pay passengers in 79% of the cases, while Ryanair was close behind on 77%. BA had 1,166 flights delayed by more than three hours and was advised by the CAA to pay up in 48% of cases. Thompson had to pay up in 69% of appeals and Thomas Cook was overruled in 41% of cases and EasyJet decisions were overturned 39% of the time. And there is a list actually on here, a little uh, kind of scale, a little not kind of top 10, but it's a list of all the airlines that have had uh, three hour plus delays uh, in year to August 2016, so that's last year up to August. And EasyJet, I mean, 1,513 flights. Wow. Um, 
which I mean it sounds like a lot but when you think how many flights EasyJet yeah. has yeah. in the course I always get very nervous of these stats I mean I prefer in some respects when it comes to stats I prefer seeing percentages because obviously the percentages yeah. will give you a real indication so if they've got say 800 flights and a certain amount you know the percentage looks a lot better as where if you've got you know say somebody somebody unlike I'm using Ryanair as an example but you've got someone unlike Ryanair who you know their percentages say like with British Airways are often quite high because they don't have anywhere near as flights yeah, exactly. but you yeah. know so you have to be so careful with stats really because mm. you can make you can make stats tell any story can't you but Iberia were like were kind of the um, one of the the least uh, delays. So we're we're, so. we're going to go. We're going to throw this out, out to our wonderful guests here. I'm going to start with Kathy, if I may. Then any uh, have you had any experiences when it comes to sort of delay longest flights and, and, and not uh, what, what longest delay? Uh, we'll start with and uh, any uh, any uh, issues in do they? I presume they have a similar thing in uh, in Australia, do they? Where you get a sort of like delayed pay type thing? Um, are you talking about? Waiting for a flight and the flight's delayed. Yeah. 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 Um, no, because I generally, I've only ever flown um, on my husband's employer. Oh. Uh, but probably the worst thing that happened to me was being in London and we were on staff travel trying to come home. And there was three children and me and my husband. And the uh, customer service person ran out and said, we've got room for two. And so it was Sophie's choice. I had to pick which child I wanted to travel with <laughs> and run for the jet. Right. And we came, Dennis, I heard him diminishing behind me in the background saying, I'll meet you in Singapore. <laughs> but he didn't tell me where in Singapore. Okay, right. <laughs> so I got to Singapore with a baby vomiting. Lovely. And um, I just kept going and ended up getting a taxi home. And I got home at one o'clock in the morning. Oh, my. So that's probably my best um, or worst, delayed. yeah. <laughs> Depending on which way you look at it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The others, the others caught the next class and they got first class all the way. Oh, did they? <laughs> oh, well, it was all right for them then, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. So they had two days in, in Singapore, and ah. um, I was just at home wondering, wondering where they got to. <laughs> yeah, I can I imagine. Busy lapping up the first class, yeah. no doubt. Oh, dear. Right, okay, we'll throw the, the next one. We're going to go straight. Uh, we'll work our way through the list here. So, Ben, have you uh, had any sort of experiences? I know, obviously, you're sort of more ATC-based and things, but uh, in, in, like personal flights and stuff, any uh, um, sort of horror stories that you may have when it comes to delays and perhaps trying to get compensation? Um, the only really bad delay I ever had was in America, actually, um, going to see uh, Mr. Vanderhoof off. The airplane geeks. Oh wow! Yeah, where yeah. My flight, my flight not only got got delayed, it was cancelled oh. at eleven o'clock at night. Really helpful. Oh. Yeah, that's not helpful at all. So obviously they put you on another <laughs> yeah. flight and gave you a lovely hotel for the night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, surprisingly, the American system is a little bit different than we have in Australia, and you guys probably have in the UK. Whereas, they it took a lot of arguing and convincing that. You know, the Australian who's been up for about 30 hours coming from the west coast of Australia probably needs a hotel and not sleeping in the terminal. Yeah. yeah. But to, the terminal was their idea. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> well, that's nice of them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was nice of them. Yeah, oh dear. Well, well uh, I might have known it might have had something to do with it. they offered to take me through Dallas the next day. I, yeah. That yeah. probably gives away who it was. Okay, right. <laughs> Moving on quick. Uh, okay, so Glenn, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know if you get much chance to do a great deal of flying. Have you had any similar sort of experiences? 
Uh, yes, uh, a flight out of Darwin one time. Uh, we went. To, we uh, were delayed by a thunderstorm by about, I think it's an hour, and then um, yep, we taxied out to the runway, went to take off, hit a bird on takeoff. Oh uh, no! Straight through oh. the port side engine. <laughs> so that delayed our flight by about 24 hours. So very nicely, um, Virgin Australia put us up in a nice hotel at Darwin Airport and gave us money for food. But the food, the money didn't cover all of our food. Yeah, sounds about but, right. Yeah. You know, it's okay. So we tried again the next night. It's like a midnight flight of Darwin, and everything just went fine. So it was interesting, though. I was sat on the wrong side of the plane. I didn't actually see the bird go through the engine. Oh, would be nice. That uh, <laughs> was a big white flash just uh, as the bird disappeared through the, uh, yeah. but by now, the engine yeah. up. So, yeah. it, is a, it is officially an X bird. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, we're going <laughs> to. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> engine as well. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Uh, so, chicken. Yeah, we're going right, <laughs> to. Yeah. Ray, I'm going to throw to you next. What's your. Uh, do, do you have any horror stories when it comes to uh, sort of delays and, and uh, trying to get uh, somewhere? No, I have to admit I'm probably either lucky or unlucky. I haven't actually been on a flight for quite some time, so I haven't um, experienced the angst that um, some of the other uh, hosts here have. So, um, yeah, I've been pretty lucky in that aspect. Ah, get you. Right, and now I, I throw over to our, our next and, uh, in this particular thing, final guest uh, with slight nerves and intrepidation for what may or may not <laughs> about to be happen. I'm a little bit worried that the word tiger may be mentioned on several occasions. So, uh, <laughs> Mr. McCarran, the legend that is, is there, uh, have you had any kind of vaguely negative experiences when it comes to any kind of flying? And maybe, do they, just seriously, do they have a, a compensation system? I mean, I know we have this European thing where... You do. Directive, yeah, the yeah. EU directive where if it's been delayed for a cell. Do they have something similar in, in, in Australia? I, I don't know, to be honest, because, I mean, you get the occasional story of, of Jetstar stranding people overseas, things like that, whatever. Um, I think the airlines generally try and look after their passengers. Um, I don't know that they need the re um, legislation for it here because they know that if uh, they got that bad that legislation came through, it would be really um, terrible and not in their favour. So it's their best effort. Um, to do it but I mean I've had let's see there was uh, way back in the ANSET days the um, aircraft went poing before we even boarded right uh, <laughs> nice. so they sent us back to a um, like an info area but I was tra traveling business class so yeah yes sir um, no sir you and your partner <laughs> you, the two of you are on the next flight to Melbourne you're right. good yeah. um, there was the time that Kit and I were trying to get to Bali for the honeymoon when uh, the volcano was going poof and uh, yeah. so we were grounded there, but again, traveling business class, we were sitting back in the lounge having drinks and who cares. Um, in fact, it was more a case of by the time it was finally absolutely cancelled and uh, we had to go and get our luggage and go home, uh, it was a good thing we were getting a taxi. Um, yes, yeah, I can <laughs> imagine. It was on a morning flight. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, winning. So, you know, and they, they, they looked after us reasonably well. I've had a few delays due to fog going in and out of Canberra. Mm. Uh, Again, not business, but because I've flown so much, I'm on platinum, so I'm just sitting in the lounge waiting for them to tell us when it's time to go, and right. we're just working, you know. 
Yeah. Grant is is the piece is for PCDU. He's like the uh, the VA version of Nevtech. Right, I see. Okay, <laughs> so, forever yes. in the air. He, yeah. he, he, he has that, that airline status where you know you you look at it and go, "That's nice." I'm never going to get that. Yeah, yeah. Never in a million years <laughs> am I going to get anywhere near that kind of. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a I mean, just because I haven't flown for the last two weeks, it's not no reason why um, Virgin's shares are dropping. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. oh, in the same way that BA, because because Nev hasn't been on a plane for like yeah. two weeks yeah absolutely uh, that's it so, and, uh, so mr bunting to, to answer your question oh. guys oh yes um, on, i used to work for let's call the Macme blue in the vein of <laughs> <Mac> airlines <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> we we generally had a, like a schedule it was all done but if we ever cancelled a flight yeah we would put people up in hotels like there is actually a, quite a big portion of the uh, i think it's the park royal that's at the front of telemarine um and there's there's all the airports that are sort of within a, a reasonable radius of the airport that a lot of rooms at those at those hotels are booked permanently really? by the what? airlines. Literally ready for 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 just such a thing. Yeah. So uh, Matt, uh, now I know, cancellation I, yeah. I know I know you spend an awful lot of time uh, driving. Uh, you, every time we seem to speak to you in one way or other, you seem to be doing a hideous <laughs> journey that even me as a coach driver yeah. would just go, "Oh my goodness me, are you mad?" Um, but uh, yeah, have uh, have you had chance to do a great deal of flying, and, and have you had a similar experience? Have you had any sort of uh, hideous delays and and j- just bad experiences, really? Well, personally, probably flying probably around seven hundred fifty thousand miles in my life. So oh, okay, all right, quite a bit a then. Yeah. Bit okay. <laughs> so, um, in terms of delays, mainly domestically out of uh, out of Coolangatta, uh, coming back to Melbourne, I used to fly every week in and out of there when I used to race. Um, inflatable rescue boats here in Victoria and oh, wow. yeah you could uh, you could be delayed you know up to two or three hours going out of there I won't um, name the airline except to say they have an orange star so um, <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> they're <liberal. laughs> right okay and, uh, but yeah no I've been diver- diverted and uh, delayed after a diversions in the states into Denver with cracked fan blades and engines and stuff like that before and uh, but yeah <sighs> mainly just Locally. Wow. Okay. Well, no, that's us. Well, I mean, I, I must admit, because I mean, because I haven't done a great deal of, of of flying myself, as we all know. Um, you know, the sort of the biggest one of the biggest flights I've ever done. Obviously, was going over to Pittsburgh um, a couple of months ago now, and uh, so I, I've been actually. I've been, I, I think the only delay I ever had actually was when I was going to Edinburgh um, for a wedding, and um, I had to wait about an hour. I think it was nearly two hours. Um, but no, that's, that's the right. only delay that I've ever really had. But the flight did come in, and I and I I, I got there. So the, obviously the, not entirely. It was under the under the thing. What about what about you, Carl? Uh, uh, we had a three hour uh, three hour delay on board an A380 Emirates, oh. waiting to take off from Heathrow due to a medical emergency. Oh, and they wouldn't let anyone off the aircraft until right. they'd. Got this out, person yeah. off, and then by the time that happened, we took off. Yeah, just over three hours late wow. from Heathrow. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, that, that was about it. That's all. Okay. But considering the amount of flying I've done in the year, yeah, that's, that's absolutely, been, that's been the yeah. only well, it's the same plane. with same with Matt, mm-hmm. really. It's, but uh, for the for the entire flight after that, Emirates kindly gave everyone free Wi-Fi. Well, hey, for the entire flight, winning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds good to me. Okay, on to the next Very story. Funny. Indeed, yeah, the so next story. The is... next story, uh, especially for our. our Australian listeners, Indeed, okay. lovers of Qantas. Right. This one is on the AU 
dot new. Is it your story? Yes, oh, it I'm very is my sorry. story. Oh, carry on, thieving then. Arab. What you like, honestly? Uh, Qantas hit but, uh, with system crash, so we've got. To, so it's an, not just BA. Yeah, it's not just BA. So we've got echoes of the BA story here. So Qantas is hit with a system crash amid global cyberware attack. Now I know uh, a few months ago with our national health service they had a similar sort of ransomware mm. attack that caused uh, chaos uh, here in the UK with their you know. Um, uh, appointments, hospital appointments, operations, everything are all being cancelled left, right, and centre uh, because all the systems went down. And it seems that Qantas have been have sort of been hit by the same wave um, uh, going on. So Qantas has denied Wednesday's computer system failure is a result of a major cyber attack that derailed businesses, banks, and airlines across Europe. Passengers at uh, airports around the country are being directed to check in uh, at the counter rather than online, while the online booking feature also remains out of action. A Qantas spokesman said that it confirmed the IT outage was not related to the Petya ransomware attack following an investigation yesterday. It was probably some kind of random stupid power outage that that, um, has nothing to do with uh, what happened to BA, he says, uh, being highly controversial. Qantas is one of multiple airlines worldwide currently experiencing issues with the Amadeus booking system, the company said in a statement. Flights are operating uh, as scheduled. Uh, the PETA ransomware attack crippled computers running Microsoft Corp's uh, Windows by encrypting hard drives and overwriting files, then demanding $300 in bitcoins to restore access. The news comes after British Airways had to cancel all its flights from the UK to's from the UK's two largest airports, Heathrow and Gatwick. Um, in a recorded message on on its hotline, Qantas says online booking and call centre reservation systems are temporarily unavailable. I won't go on and on, but basically you, you know what they're, they're... Obviously, I can hear Nev now busy screaming at the top of his voice. It serves them <laughs> right for using a Microsoft product, but we'll uh, we'll gloss over that and uh, move on. He does have a point. Uh, I have to confess, I am a Microsoft user myself and I've had nothing but trouble really with it of late. Um, there is Every time they seem to put an update through, something else seems to go wrong. Um, but... Um, the last thing, the last thing you need in a in a busy airport or a busy airline is the blue screen of death. But uh, you see, I'm surprised a lot of these things because yeah, I mean, especially with with the the things like um, you know, a lot of people use virtual um, private networking and things like that. Um, there are some very secure ones out there to do that. I, I'm I'm surprised that these systems are so open to the elements as much as they are. You know, without mm. any form of uh, there, there seems to be a serious issue when it comes to backing up. Uh, when it comes to uh, stuff like this, that. I mean the I mean the BA thing. I, I mean I, you know my personal feelings on that. I don't think it was a power outage at all. If I'm brutally honest, I don't think it got anything to do with it. But um, there we are. I'm being oh, if, controversial. If I may, guys. Yes. Uh, oh, here we go. <laughs> IT geek background here. Yes. Uh, having gone through a number of uh, systems and watched them go down, come up, and things like that, depending on how it spiked and how. Uh, how frequently you've practiced your recovery systems. It's yeah. amazing what you can discover that your tape libraries are off, your backup system doesn't yeah. work, all sorts of things like that. If you've never actually tested it, it can get yes, quite spectacularly bad. But, yeah, look, the thing in Qantas's favor here, and you know, me being a Virgin Airlines flyer, I've got to say, the, um, the Qantas guys, they were hit by an Armadeus outage. It yeah. wasn't, okay. it just happened yeah. to happen to them on the same time. But Armadeus is a global booking system. 
that's used by many, many airlines. And indications are it was an Armadeus outage, not an actual Microsoft Windows-based outage. Okay, so it, was it like actually... The, it, 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 oh, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate there. It, it, it's only really Qantas that's hit the news with regard to this particular outage. Is there... Um, were, which other airlines were affected then if we to try and give sort of clarity and, um, you know... Yeah, I'm trying to find that information out. Okay, all right, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, Qantas is saying that other other people were hit by it as well, but, but uh, yeah, it's all about Qantas at the moment. So yeah, well, and, and, and this is the, the, the thing that's sort of bothering mm. me. I mean, it may have been perhaps a, an issue with their, you know, the Amadeus system and their involvement with Qantas. Perhaps there was a, a, an, a you know, a Qantas-specific issue perhaps mm. on their channel maybe or, or their, you know, their part of the... The system that they're using, so uh, I don't know. Uh, more information uh, needs to come out. I'm just, uh, just we. I, 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 again, I've said this before. Yeah. Like when we've had air show, uh, yeah. air show crashes and things like that. Yeah, I, I do worry that maybe sometimes actually the problems are no different. Uh, we're having the same amount. Like, I'll use the the aviation, um, like the air show thing. You didn't seem to get that many stories about uh, air show crashes and things like that. And then suddenly you had the big one in uh, it. Um, was it Shoreham? No. Yeah, the yeah. Shoreham the Shoreham yeah. thing with yeah, us sure. and now suddenly the news is always full like every time there's any kind of little minor incident anything at all to do with with aviation and air shows and then it hits the headlines big time I'm beginning to wonder maybe if this if the computer systems issues are perhaps having that same effect where because it's been brought to the media's attention they're now pouncing on yeah. any story that's got anything to do yeah. with um yeah. with, with IT Oh, you should have seen the stories Top about Qantas having all these problems after QF32, the, the, uh, where the Trent engine blew coming out of Singapore mm. on the A380. And suddenly, oh, Qantas aircraft turns back, yeah, or Qantas aircraft aborts landing, yeah, this is normal stuff, this happens. And, yeah. But now suddenly Qantas was the flavor of the month. Um, I think, Matthew, you've, you've experienced that one in, in, the, uh, in the news. You've seen a lot of that experience, haven't you? Yeah. In terms of You're asking me or the, Matt Smith? Sorry, you. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no. I mean, it's. I mean, you talk about. Um, yeah, it depends on who they've got in their crosshairs for the month. It's. Um, it's just one of those things. It's. Uh, you know, it tends to be a lot of poor reporting in the media, unfortunately. In, in what? Some, some areas. How and, dare you? Are you suggesting that the know. media is I'm rubbish? Just, just being honest, <laughs> no, brutally honest, and. Um, you know, they need something to to fill up the uh, fill up the half hour, but. Uh, you know, yeah. they, they, they tend to stick on topics, as I say, in the crosshairs for a little while, and then then it drops off. But uh, you know, back to that Armadeus thing. It's you know, what what do they run off Armadeus? Is it you know, like a, it is window based behind the background there. It's not Apple, so yeah. it's got to be more. It's got to be more airlines. Mainframe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd, yeah, yeah, I'd like to think it's more of a mainframe. It's a bigger issue than what what they're letting on. Yeah, it's yeah. more likely yeah. to be Unix or Linux Linux based. I would have thought the the backbone to it but um, uh, yeah. mid-range systems mainframes things like that I haven't kept up with what their latest infrastructure yeah. is no, no. it used to be mainframe and um, then they had some um, mid-range uh, not necessarily Linux but uh, spark stations and the likes you know the, yeah. the HP UX all those kind of versions and variants of Unix Solaris yeah but, oh stop but, it yeah look at but I mean <laughs> Talk about day three eighties. I mean, last week it was uh, a classic example there with the uh, the oil leak on QF ninety three going in uh, going across to LAX, you I know, getting that. diverted to Sydney before the thing landed. They had every helicopter up in the air. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Example. It's, I mean, fear, I, again, uncertainty, it's, doubt, live in fear. <laughs> Yeah, sensationalism again and maybe this is because we do have you know 24 hour rolling news nowadays I mean perhaps when you used yes. to have programs that were yeah. sort of half an hour long sort of two or three times a day perhaps it was less of an issue because they had less airspace to fill so. but also we don't just have news channels now we have Passengers. Well, we do. Passengers yes. are with cameras and everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. exactly. This is true. Anyway, yeah. we better move on. We so the next story on. is on the uh, the uh, finder.com.au site. Mm. And, it, would uh, that be an Australian website by any chance? I know, it could right. be. Right, okay. The headline, this is, I don't know how true this is, but more than half of Australians can't wait for in-flight Wi-Fi. Right. We may not be tethered to the ground, but most of us want to be tethered to the internet when we travel. When we get on planes, most of us are generally fussed with making sure that we can stow our bags in the overhead cabins as close to our seats, wondering just how inedible the food is going to be and whether the in-flight entertainment system is going to work. You can add that to the list to the questions of, will I have in-flight Wi-Fi available to me, to that list, with research team uh, from Finder today suggesting that more than half of Australia actively wants to be able to get online while they're airborne. Uh, the survey results showed that 56% of Australians like the idea of in-flight Wi-Fi being part of their domestic uh, flight, uh, with Gen Y flyers being the most keen on the concept. Breaking it down further, if you're a Gen Y Apple iPhone owner, you're more unlikely to be uh, pro in-flight Wi-Fi, with 66% uh, of Apple-owning respondents being in favour of the service being offered, and 79% of Gen Y responders being keen, comparatively only 31% of baby boomers are keen on in-flight Wi-Fi. Some folks do still like the idea of being entirely removed from the worldly issues while they're not actually standing on the world itself, but this appears to be shrinking uh, a quantity that most breaks the long age line as of only 19% of the surveyed respondents that didn't like the idea. Oh, I don't want to be online. Uh, not when I'm on plane. I'm oh, no, I don't. I, I must admit, I, I, I didn't. I, I I rather enjoyed it, frankly. It gave me, uh, especially being a nervous flyer, it gave me uh, something to sort of occupy my mind, if you like, while mm. I was uh, uh, doing it. It was quite nice sort of pinging messages to, to friends, only through WhatsApp. I, I, mm. I realised the bandwidth weren't, weren't fantastic. So Qantas has already launched its first domestic Wi-Fi-enabled service powered by a connection in-flight to NBN Sky Muster Satellites. Virgin Australia is currently trialling its own in-flight Wi-Fi <coughs> services with both airlines clearly seeing it as a premium price point differentiator. Here we go. In-flight Wi-Fi, does it bother me? I'm not really. I've done enough long-haul flights now and not had Wi-Fi no, on every one okay. of them. Um, actually, the, the, the most shocking one for me was the flight home with Air Canada uh, from Pittsburgh right? Um, via, you know, via Toronto back uh, to Heathrow on a, their new Dreamliner on their Dash 9. Yeah. And uh, there was no Wi-Fi. Yeah, not a not a penny of Wi-Fi, not even right. Uh, I mean, you, you, that's quite common on short yeah. haul, isn't it? Um, but um, have you had much experience of uh, of uh, Wi-Fi guys? Um, let, let, let's try and let, avoid it. Yeah, you, yeah. Grant tries to to avoid it. Then, so Matt, any any uh, experiences with in-flight Wi-Fi? Yeah, actually, um, I have a classic story uh, flying out of uh, Charlotte. Uh, flying home to uh, Australia and um, 
basically got held on the ramp for about half an hour because of uh, a tornado halfway across America. I had to get diverted around the Gulf of Mexico instead of flying straight across. So the uh, connection into LAX onto um, my United flight um, back to Melbourne basically uh, wasn't going to wasn't going to work. So um, halfway over the Gulf of Mexico, I ended up. Uh, getting on the Wi-Fi and getting in contact with my travel agent and she couldn't believe ah. that I was um, communicating with her via Wi-Fi. Whilst you were up in the air, yeah, so, of course, yeah. Whilst I was up in the air and I was able to um, organise something for when I got into LAX and to uh, get up to San Fran and get out that way. So, Well, of course, that, that, yeah, that, that, that is the really big advantage. Mm. That is the big advantage, I suppose, is, is if you if you are going to miss your connecting flight, if you like, uh, you can sort of almost like jump the queue, perhaps, and uh, and try and get uh, you know a replacement connection flight, uh, you know, before you even touch down, which is, which is great. You can uh, certainly, look at your options anyway. Yeah, absolutely, Kathy. Have you, have, do you, are you a, a convert to uh, in Wi-Fi flight user? Wi-Fi, or do you sort of prefer to be disconnected when it comes to uh, sort of flying? Just maybe just enjoy <laughs> the flight, perhaps. I think I'm a person who should be disconnected <laughs> because I'm too too often. Fair enough. Yeah. But um, I, if I'm on a flight, I'd probably have my laptop out and be writing. Yeah. And so when I'm writing, I always need to be researching. Yeah. And so I quite like the idea. The last flight I did was to, it was two and a half hours, I think, right out. What it was up to Brisbane somewhere, Gold Coast. Yeah, it was quite nice, but. The bloke beside me talked and talked and talked. <laughs> okay. Is it, I mean, is Wasn't it me? Nice. <laughs> I blame, I, we blame Grant for everything, it's fine. Where's the, um, what What are the costs um, uh, in sort of in-flight Wi-Fi? I mean, I, I assume these things aren't usually free. I mean, what's the, uh, wh- what does it work out in sort of dollars roughly for you to, to be online mm. during your flight? Okay. I've got no idea. I've never done it. Okay. Kathy, Kathy travels in first class. All well, the time that's anyway, uh, well, so. of course. Yes. What am I thinking? Yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, right. Well, we have a picture from Glenn now, so I feel obliged well, to. Uh... Sounds good. Anyway, that sounds very nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll call you next. <laughs> Glenn. Glenn. How's, how's... Uh, you said. Oh. Kathy, uh, I say, Glenn. How's your in-flight Wi-Fi? <laughs> have you had much experience? Um, I've used it much. I've, I've used it a couple of times on a. Oh, I can't watch it. I think it was Virgin, Aus- Virgin America. No go. That was pretty good. But, uh, yeah, I haven't spent a huge amount of time on, on in-flight. Um, well, we don't have it here in New Zealand. And New Zealand say they're going to put it in. But then, yes, they said it's supposed to start this year. And still nothing has happened. So who knows how long it's going to take to install it. So I won't hold my breath. No. Okay. Or you wouldn't really have much opportunity to use it in in domestic New Zealand flights because you know most of your flights are under one hour to one and a half hours, and by the time it take you know by the time they turn everything on and say right you can use it now, and then they say no you can't use it. You've got, what, Twenty minutes, forty minutes. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. Something like that. Yeah. Okay, Ben. ATR seventy twos. Ben, we'll, we'll throw that same question to you. I mean, do you, do you prefer to be sort of disconnected or, or would you be quite interested in a bit of in-flight Wi-Fi? Um, no, no, I'm, I'm one of those people that says, no, I'm, I'm quite happy to shut the phone off and actually enjoy watching a movie or something without my yeah. phone going every two seconds with Facebook updates or whatever. Well, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. that, that, that being said, though, in-flight Wi-Fi is not something anybody in Western Australia is going to actually get to experience anytime soon because we get all the uh, 
off cuts off off the rest of the east coast fleet so we don't even have in-flight entertainment on half our aircraft over here yet <laughs> so make sure your ipad's charged up before you get on the plane <laughs> well there is that yeah okay and then uh ray um you know sort of with the flying that you've done i mean how how, how do you feel about the whole idea of in-flight wi-fi is it just sort of again just want to tune out and, and listen to the listen to and enjoy the flight or I'd have to admit, um, I'd agree with your earlier comment that it'd be handy for um, the nervous flyer or the mm. the flyer that um, just wants to be um, distracted. Uh, but me personally, I'd, I'd be rather happy just looking out the window or you know watching a in-flight movie if needs be. Yeah, personally. No, that's fair. David Vanderhoof method. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Look out exactly. the window. Have, yeah, exactly. I have Oz runways. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's I put true. Oz runways on my tablet. I have a magazine. I have the window. I know where I am. Yep. I know what I'm looking at. I have a blast. That's all I need. Yep. Yeah, that is very true. That is very true. Okay. Cheers, guys. Right, on to the next uh, story then. And this is in The Independent. Uh, and, uh, yeah, slightly... Um, I'm not sure how I feel about this one. This is on The Independent. This is independent.co.uk. And the headline is, Colombian Airline wants to make passengers stand. Hmm. I don't know if I like the sound of this. It almost feels like some kind of joke story, if I'm honest. But uh, budget airline Viva Colombia is considering plans to remove all seats from its planes and make passengers stand. I'm not sure how that would even work. But, uh, is this Ryanair or Colombia? No, no, no. It's okay. Colombian something. Like that. How okay. dare you? Uh, they hope... To the move, they hope the move will drive down fares by allowing them to squeeze in more passengers into each flight, uh, opening up air travel to working class Colombians and budget holidaymakers. No frills carrier uh, announced this week that it is adding 50 new Airbus A320s to its fleet to capitalise on the country's growing tourist market. The new planes will have more seats and lower running costs with the first one going into service at the start of 2018. Viva Colombia's founder and CEO William Shaw told the Miami Herald the airline was looking into vertical travel options he said there are people out there right now researching whether you can fly standing up we're very very interested in anything that makes travel less expensive he added who cares if you don't have an in-flight entertainment system for a one-hour flight who cares if there aren't marble floors that would probably add some weight issues perhaps to the aircraft (laughs) uh, or that you don't get free peanuts the concept is not new and the airlines have been toying with the idea of standing sections in flights for years in 2003 airbase airbus came up with the idea of allowing passengers to be braced in a vertical seat right uh, ryanair also proposed standing area well there's a surprise uh, on its fleet in 2010 at the time boss michael O'Reilly described the standing seats as bar stools with seat belts and expressed doubts that seat belts were even necessary a plane is just a bleep a bleeping bus, basically, whatever one of those is, uh, with wings, he said. If there is ever a crash on an aircraft, God forbid, a seatbelt won't save you. You don't need... No, it's not so much the plane crashing the ground that you want the seatbelt anymore. Uh, it's more the in-flight turbulence that you want the blooming no, seatbelt. No, Michael O'Leary is uh, full of something. Oh. Because if you look at the um, Asiana, when they flew that perfectly serviceable 777 into oh, yeah. the ground at uh, San Francisco, the people who were strapped in were saved... Right. Um, yeah, this is just Michael O'Leary being a well. I'm not going to say it because it's family friendly. Yes, of course. Yes, um, if, you, if you could, that would be great. And the point I of view, that our friends in um, Colombia have probably been um, 
you know, enjoying the local produce Columbia. a little. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, 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 and look, they're very relaxed about the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a crash limitation. You've got to be able to survive a certain G-force when you hit the ground. Yeah. Uh, I've yet to see a standing chair that can do that properly. Mm. You've also got a total number of passengers that are allowed on the aircraft yeah. before you either have to... Yeah, you've got the evacuation thing. Yeah, sure, you're not getting up out of your seat, climbing over seats, whatever. But if you've got too many people on, you can't get them out the doors fast enough yeah, to no, be able to meet true. the 90-second e extract. Then you've also got uh, rules and regulations related to how many uh, cabin crew you have on board per yeah. number of people. Uh, this is why they added the extra exit row, uh, emergency exit windows over the wings of the 737-800s right, and 900s. Okay. They had extra people. They had to get them out. Yeah. All this kind of stuff. And now you're starting to play with all that. And your crash deformation, yeah, it's called your legs, mate. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. And to say that a seatbelt won't save you, uh, they actually found out that if they had have had the sash seatbelts over, not just the lap, yeah. but the sash, it would have saved a lot of people their back injuries. Really? But everyone except two people walked off that 777 at Asiana, and they were two who were down the back when it broke apart. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it's as I say, it's like and from my point of view, looking at it from turbulence. I mean, if you if you do get turbulence in flight, uh, the one thing you want to do is have your seatbelt on because I mean, you see these horror stories where people have left the seat, smashed their head open on the on the thing. So I I, I don't know. I, th I think it's just a load of I think I think it's headline grabbing, uh, trying to get attention rather than necessarily anything that they're seriously considering. Correct. Let's let's yeah. hope that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely a, given the uh, picture that they chose to use too, which has a cabin with no seats in it at all. Yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, God knows it's, what reason. Yeah, uh, yeah. probably yeah. one at an there's air a, show. There's that another thing involved. Sorry, there's another thing involved there. Obviously, how many sardines do you want to pack in that can, <laughs> and uh, how much how much baggage do they have? I mean, you're going to exceed the the, uh, the aircraft's capacity to uh, take off. Well, that's true. So, yeah, baggage. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Just okay. doesn't it doesn't add up. It's Gives you meaning. Gives new meaning to cattle class, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah you, just, you just have fences that you're sort of like, you're like you know, tethered to. Uh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Uh, can't wait. Okay, we'll, well, we'll move on to the next story then. The next story is on the CNN Money uh, website, and the headline is Boeing 797 doesn't exist yet. One airline always already says that it wants it first. Uh, it's still nearly a decade away, but airlines are jockeying into position to have first dibs on Boeing's new 797 airliner. The chief executive of Norwegian Air Shuttle said in an interview on Wednesday that the fast-growing low-cost airline was very interested in Boeing's new twin-axle jet currently on the drawing board. Uh, yes, we definitely uh -huh. want to be first in line, says Bjorn Kjos, who's the Norwegian Air Shuttle CEO in Seattle. Last week, Boeing used the Paris Air Show to tease the first few details about its new medium-range twin aisle not axle twin aisle sorry i'm being special uh, the the air, the jet would be designed to fit between its single r737 max and its long range 787 dreamliner uh, industry leaders call it the boeing 797 uh who said he expected boeing to start taking orders for the new jet in 2018 uh, it wouldn't be ready until 2025 united airlines alaska airlines delta airlines and india's spice jet 
have said that they're interested in the 797. Boeing wants to attract airlines that want to relieve congestion on, congestion sorry on busy routes now flown with smaller jets and open up new routes. Norwegian last year said uh, it received approval from the US Department of Transport to fly from European Union destinations to the United States that roiled uh, American carers and their labor unions who claim Norwegian will undercut wages for U.S.-based pilots and cabin crew uh, to hire less expensive non-U.S. crews while flying to America. Well, you mean like every single other airline? Uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a bit of a shock one there. So, so yes, basically, they, it's literally plans on a drawing board shown at the Paris Air Show. And people are already wanting to place orders for it. I mean, it must be very exciting if you're Boeing to have that much interest in an aircraft that's, well, ba barely a concept at uh, this stage. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's quite good news. How, do, how does uh, it's, uh, I mean, they, 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 they do this quite a lot because Paris is, uh, somebody explained to me, I mean, uh, Paris is quite a big air show, isn't it? Uh, and, and, is, and is this normal where, like, quite often the Paris air show is the one where they announce a lot of these um, these these new planes is is there is that normal procedure is this the uh, the the launch ground if you like for a lot of aircraft uh, I don't know who to throw that to uh, <laughs> we'll go with Ben <laughs> let's go with Ben let's pick Ben <laughs> <laughs> sorry I was reading the chat room what was the question uh, right never mind uh, Matt uh... <laughs> <laughs> move on. <laughs> Multitask. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. CU one four four was released in uh, at Paris, and where they had that accident. So yeah, you'd have to think that uh, that's and that's where they also showed the uh, the Airbus A three twenty back when it uh, back when it was first released. So you'd have to say that it is a place where most of those things tend to occur. Yeah. Um, it, it is still a concept, as you say, and you know it's it, it, you know a lot of people are saying it's you know the next seven five seven. Yeah. Which is, you know, certainly, definitely is something that needs to be filled. And let's be honest, the 737 can't be stretched any further with its landing gear as short as it is, you know, yeah. with the, the uh, on takeoff. So, you know, it, it is going to fill that role. Um, you know, I wonder how many airlines out there are going to change their options on orders because of the uh, the lag time in production of the 737. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's a bit of a, it's a good position for, definitely for, um, for Boeing. If I was Airbus, I'd be certainly scratching my head. But, I mean, 2025 is such a long way away. I mean, it's, it just it's, seems crazy when it's just a load of plans on a drawing board at the moment, you know, and some companies are already willing to, yeah. to sort of almost commit financial resources in, in readiness for it. I mean, it's... Um, Grant, any thoughts well, on the matter? <laughs> it's it's not that far apart, but also it's the top end of the of the seven three seven, like just on the Max Ten, yeah, and the A three twenty one Neos. So you have got the Max Ten, which is at the it's, it's getting into that middle of the market seven nine seven range, and the and if you take a seven eight seven and put it with the number of people um, that Boeing originally designed it for. Yeah. That's also in that same seven nine seven range. So I mean, and and, and let's face it, the seven three seven max that. ten is yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly. Seven eight seven dash eight was marketed for two twenty to two forty passengers. Nor we thought Norwegian was naughty with two ninety five. Jetstar three thirty five or thereabouts. That's just yeah, it's a plastic true. sardine tin. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> and then you get the the seven three seven dash ten, the max ten. Yeah. It's done really well at, at getting lots of sales at, at, at um, Paris yeah. from 737 MAX 8s and 9s. Right. There's airlines out there that are converting their other MAX orders for the MAX 10. So, hey, okay. but the question is how are they going to work this aircraft in between? You know, it, it's because the, the, the 737 and the 787, they sort of are starting to meet at the moment, if, yeah. depending on how you fly them. 
But well, the you know, it's going to be... take out. Pardon. The difference is going to be how much uh, cargo they can take and revenue they can raise under the yeah. uh, under the, the flight deck. Good point. That's going to be the difference. How yeah. quickly they can get people on and off. Well, again, it's, it's, it's going back to what we were saying earlier, wasn't it? It's, it's uh, it, short of putting in another exit somewhere along the line. I mean, you're going to start to, you know, you, you're sort of at the capacity of how many people you can get out in, in, a, in a hurry, I suppose. But uh, hmm. Yeah, well, it's a it's twin aisle. interesting that loads. they went for a twin rather yeah, than, well, than a single, which is what the 7.5 is, a single aisle. Yeah, but a twin, a twin aisle will load, unload, but much faster than a single. Mm. Um, yes. If you've ever been on a 757 waiting for everyone to come, you know, like mm. way down the back, I just sat in the seat one time when I had the privilege of being on a 757 and just watched everyone going past and going past. It was like watching a um, concert letting out, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. So I, I just I say, but what I was sort of saying earlier is, I, I mean, it, what what is it about the Paris Air Show that makes it so special that people want to... Uh, to uh, sort of announce their new products there. I mean, I, I don't know. I suppose the the the, the Westerner in me is kind kind of assumed that maybe it would be an air show in the states or somewhere like that, where the, where the big announcements are being made. Um, for, they don't have one. Uh, oh right, <laughs> fair enough. No, they don't. You've got <laughs> you've got Le Bourget. No. You've got Farnborough. Yeah. Uh, Singapore. Um, Dubai now, the Dubai Air Show. These are when they do a lot of their announcements. Okay. And what's also very interesting is that uh, a lot of the announcements that they give are ones that they've sort of hinted at and not all of them are signed at the spot or they're ones that they've been working on, they're finalised. Uh, you, you know that they nobody ever pays list price on. Stats and studies have shown that uh, on average they're paying about half the list price. So if someone's going to sign at a big show, there's going to be some incentive to maybe even get less than half of the list price going, you know, that kind of thing. So, And it's... It's oh look here's the line and we're above it so yeah. to speak to be okay. politically family correct yeah right well done um, thank you <laughs> yeah you know, and that's what it is competition between the airframers yeah. of who can get the most sales and everything that's fair enough okay we'll move on to the next story then Carlos if you could take this one hi the next story is on the Telegraph travel uh, or tra- Telegraph.co.uk the uh, travel side. And uh, the headline, Airlines Must Refund uh, Fare When Passengers Miss Outbound Flight Court Rules. So air passengers may now be entitled to refunds from airlines who cancel the return legs of flights after the first leg has gone unused. In a case that could affect anyone who has just had a similar cancelled flight in the last six years, a judge has ordered that Iberia must refund a passenger the cost of a return journey after it prevented him from using it. In accordance with the conditions of carriage of many legacy airlines, Iberia cancelled the return leg of a London-Madrid to London flight after the passenger in question uh, was a few minutes late checking into the first flight at Gatwick. Mr. Dove called Iberia and asked that his return leg back from a jib be kept open as he uh, had continued on to Spain uh, with another carrier. However, he was told that the whole trip had been cancelled and he was forced to buy another ticket home with a different airline. Through this decision uh, by a deputy district judge at the Mayors and City Air, London City Airport, or City of London, 
court is, uh, is not binding and Iberia is expected to appeal against this. It's thought to be one of the first cases to tackle the loss of a passenger of the cost of a return leg of a flight that has been cancelled by the airline in this way. The reason airlines prefer to cancel return flights when the initial leg goes unused is to avoid passengers buying returns that are cheaper than a single flight ticket. Nick Trend, the consumer advice editor, explains that airlines cancel return sectors if a passenger misses an outbound flight because they want to try and prevent them taking advantage of fare structures which price single fares at a higher rate than the cost of a return. It's a slightly bizarre, outdated pricing system, uh, which in many cases has remained uh, or been rendered obsolete by no-frills carriers, which now price and allow you to book each sector separately. Now, I, I've, I mean, I've tried to book flights in in separate mm. kind of stages myself online, and it, it always it always is cheaper to buy in one hit. in one hit, right? Um, yes. But uh, I mean, if the airlines now going to be made to refund if you do, obviously. Mm. You know, don't take your outgoing flight with them. I, you know, it's good for the passenger. Good news for the yeah, passenger. Yeah, so I mean, throw, throwing it out to our, our, our guests. Well, I'll start with um, uh, Glenn, if I may. Have you? Uh, I mean, have you ever like when you've been booking flights? Have Have you ever used something along the lines of? Uh, would, what am I thinking of? Is it um, TripAdvisor and Kayak and things oh, like kayak, that, where you yeah. can sort of build your Sky own trips? Scanner. Have you ever mm. sort of d- done yes, anything like that so to try and? Uh, I have in the past, but uh, these days I find it's just easier just to go with the. With an airline like Virgin Australia, or I mean, I, I remember there, there was a time where that, where actually, you know, building your own trip actually usually ended up making it a lot cheaper than your average package holiday and and things like that. And I, I, I'm mm. guessing the tide the tide has uh, has turned. I mean, Kathy, I know you've done a reasonable amount of flying in your time. I mean, have you, are you always sort of uh, have you have you ever had any need to sort of had you had any experience of of these kind of sites, or or is it just nowadays just cheaper to literally book? directly um um i think you're forgetting that i only ever fly staff travel okay (laughs) and so i'm always the the last person on right fair enough okay (laughs) it's uh, yeah it's a funny it's a funny old business isn't it i suppose it's it's just trying to just trying to work it out i mean We'll go with. Um, we'll but with that comes flexibility. Where you know, mm. and people say, "What times you fly at home?" And I go, oh, "I don't know. We we have some lunch, or <laughs> <What? laughs> you can book a flight home and you can change it." So. Well, that, yeah, yeah. No, I suppose that's true. Is it so? Is, is it what I call like glorified jump seat privileges? Essentially, is that what uh, what you're usually travelling? We're not allowed in the jump seat anymore. Uh, not allowed in the cockpit since September 11. Uh, I'm a terrorist threat. Yeah, yeah, I know you too well, Cathy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How rude! Uh, <laughs> September 11, they um, they stop people using the jump seat unless right. they're employees. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, the captain point. can't trust his wife. Right. I mean that that may, uh, that may be advice for life in general, but I don't know whether that necessarily refers <laughs> to a, to a terrorist threat, you know. But uh, yeah. there we go, uh, Ray. I'm going to throw it to, uh, to to you there. Have you ever used any sort of similar? Uh, what is, what's the service that I'm thinking of, uh, especially because it's not TripAdvisor, is it? There, there is a sort of big service where you used to do that. It's a, Kayak is one I'm fairly familiar with. Yeah. Where, where you Skyscanner, sort of like Webjet, yeah, 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 building your own Skyscanner, Speedia, that's the one. Uh, that Expedia is the one I'm thinking Expedia would be the one. 
Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. But uh, no, I, I I have to admit I've I've used um, the same as Glenn. That's um, uh, Trip Advisory, um, and and so forth. And yeah, yeah, that seems okay. Yeah, yeah. What what about you, Ben? Any sort of uh, experience on that, or are you, you just tend to go like like do a package holiday like well, we, I say Thompson, obviously that we have here, but uh, sort of do do an all in deal. I mean. Because it was it very it was at the time, wasn't it, where it was actually cheaper to sort of book your own hotel and then book your own flights and things that used to save you quite a lot of money back in the day, um, but maybe not so much now. No, I, I still tend I still tend to do that. Mm. I um I just I sometimes I use Webjet or something like that to give me an idea of all the different airlines yeah. on the one page, yeah. rather than going to all the different airlines. But generally, I'll book with the airline themselves. Yeah. Um, just I don't know, force a habit or something. Now, so again with uh, with you, Matt. Of course, I presumably you were you were mainly booking um, sort of I suppose business travel and things like that. Perhaps so you were probably looking hmm. more at an all-in-one sort of thing rather than um, you know use, using one of these these services. Well, it's 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 funny. I'm a uh, I'm a loyal loyal traveller with a particular airline right. and, a, and a particular alliance system. So I always, when I book my tickets, you know, try to stick to that historically for the uh, frequent flyer privileges, etc. and uh, use yeah, that course, to, yeah. uh, to, to obtain uh, business upgrades. But um, in saying that, though, you know, it's funny, yesterday I actually taught a couple of lessons about this actual topic about flying, uh, finding cheap tickets and stuff. And, you know, you've you got to do your homework and there's a lot of different options out there for the same flights. You've got to compare apples with apples and and uh, know exactly what you're getting and, and you know for example webjet might have a different price to TripAdvisor to to scan on the same flights so you know you, you've got to do your homework you know the google.com actually gives you a, a really good option these days to give mm. you a basic idea of what's out there yeah, it does. and then you know just just go out there and and um and have a look you know the the days of, of having a travel agent you know you, you've got to pay for the travel agent fees on top of that Really good service, and they've got you. They've got uh, they can help you out when you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's it, it definitely depends on the on the airlines as well. You know, they, they run algorithms. They know more about passenger travel and and highs and low peaks and seasons when they can uh, afford to drop prices and, and and put prices up. So you know, when you, when you talk about uh, breaking up a trip, you know, and having different prices on different days, I think it all depends on on where that falls in that algorithm. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, and uh, uh, Grant, presumably uh, one of the things that, because obviously you do a lot of flying, so it, I mean, as Matt was saying, does that often make your decision basically because of the frequent flyer element to it? I mean, are those discounts nowadays enough to to warrant you sticking with one airline? Um, I mean, I know I know wow. from experiences I've had with when I've been chatting to Nev, uh, you know, the deals aren't perhaps as good as they used to be when it comes no. to your rewards. If that makes sense. Oh. Yeah. Look, I just go out and book them. Um, there is a certain level of lock-in because you want to maintain your uh, your platinum level. Yeah. Um, I've you know I've managed to I've got a, another 280 status credits I have to accumulate, which uh -huh. you generally get anywhere between um, say depending on the on the level of booking, five to 25, 30 status credits depending on distance of flight and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I needed to I need to maintain 800 per calendar year. Right. And my clock over was start of February, and I'm already like yeah over 500 down. So oh, um, oh dear. It's <laughs> yeah. Um, so that gives you a bit of lock in that you're going to stick with that one um, airline. But uh, 
the, the thing is we don't have, you know, if you, if you book your return flight with us, we'll give you a discount. We don't get that. Yeah. So you can go and there's no there's no incentive to go except for other reasons to stay with the one airline, mm. but um, yeah, it's it, you look at what who's traveling like um, Ben was saying. You look at um, Webjet and see what's there, and uh, we've just seen Kathy run to put another log on the fire. Go, Splendid. Kathy. Yeah. Well, uh, one, one must remain warm at all times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on. Yeah. yeah. Look, it's it's. Oh. I mean, uh, yeah. For us, uh, we've we do have a travel agent friend. Uh, one of my co-directors and I from way back when we were doing IT for not-for-profit operations, uh, we were doing doing computer systems for uh, social justice groups around the world. And so we were generally flying some pretty interesting flights, especially when Andrew was jumping around the place and <laughs> would need to get to various parts of Africa or then come back via Asia and then suddenly have to change. And so a friend of mine who was a travel agent, we worked with her, and we could actually text her or email her any time um, if it was urgent. She said, if it's really urgent, just call. Her mobile was on and ready by the bed. And she wow. would be willing to wake up to help to get you because we out. put a lot of business through her. And yeah. she was really good. And she, she helped Kit and I out when we canceled and weren't able to go to Bali as planned. Um, I already had the airfares, so I just had the credit with Virgin and said, oh, I'll roll them over to business class Fiji instead of yeah. um, Bali. And they gave them those to us for the same price. And so I called her on the Monday Arvo and said, hey, you know, we've had to scrub our plans for Bali. We're going to go to Fiji instead. What do you recommend? And by Wednesday afternoon, we're flying. Wow. Uh, we'd gone through and done all the planning. Uh, she'd given us three or four different ideas. She said, oh, this is what you learned. How about that? Yeah. Um, Ms. Kit uh, was the arbiter of that. So I, I just relayed and um, put my two cents in. But uh, we decided on a space and we had the whole lot done with transfers. So you arrived in Nandi. Wow. Um, there was a shuttle ready to take us down to uh, the local harbour where there was a, you know, th something like 300 horsepower beautiful boat taking the two of us out to the island all ready to go. So all the transfers were done, everything was sorted out and that was really handy and that was all done within about 36 hours. And, and I suppose that's one of the advantages with... Um Basically, people, you, you, you've built up a you know a, a rapport with the person uh, who's been doing a lot of your booking trust. So it's like sometimes in a system like that, it can actually your travel agent can actually work wonders in comparison to perhaps using one of these comparison sites because you'd never have had any of that obviously yeah. with a comparison site. Correct. And if yeah, uh, I mean, look, if you're just doing domestic travel, as, as Glenn was saying before, just get on the on on the airline site and, and go. Yeah. I mean, all of us have gone for that. Um, if you're starting to do some more complicated things and you've got uh, jumping around, you, you know, it's like I had to go to um, Bangkok, then I had to go to um, Korea, uh, Hong Kong for a meeting, then spend some time in Seoul for some work, and I decided I'd come out via Tokyo to see a friend and then back to yeah. Bangkok and home. Oh, guess what? That was a little bit tricky, but, um, yeah, I decided I'd just stick with one airline and get a whole lot of points, so I did that. But that was a time when a travel agent might have been the go. Yeah, of course. Indeed, yeah. Okay, we're going to move on now. On to the next story then, please, Carlos. This is with AOL this time. AOL.co.uk. Awesome video. Is that still going? I know. <laughs> awesome video here. Everyone's heard about uh, the, the, the chemtrails. Yeah, the we, what? We do love a chemtrail. What are they? <coughs> it's uh, this, this big cover. Do they conspiracy. exist? Yeah, what are they? Yeah. What do they do? Spray What's happening? Stuff in the sky. <laughs> um, chemtrails, we can't tell you. No, okay, no, right. No, yeah, you'll have to kill me. Right, okay. <laughs> So uh, the, we've got go. here video footage uh, I was showing. Waiting for that, Grant. <laughs> yeah, <we're laughs> yeah, that's one, Grant. That's <laughs> <very brave. laughs> 
That's very controversial. <laughs> That's to do right. it. Yeah. Had to do it. Yeah. So on the site, then the footage uh, shows a Boeing seven eight. Sorry for those those of you who are listening on the audio podcast. Uh, uh, Grant has held up a uh, what I can only describe as a as a scout badge with uh, uh, a Ken picture trails. of chemtrails and all that kind of thing. Is it is it a is it a, a passionate subject of yours by any chance, Grant? <laughs> Uh, it's, it goes on a flight suit. Uh, right. I've got one too. I just don't know where it is. Oh, <laughs> I've got two. Right, okay. You've Nick Glenn's. That's excellent. Good. Uh, okay. Right. Anyway, sorry, Carlos. So, I apologize uh, yes, for interrupting. So incredible <laughs> close-up footage of a passenger plane leaving a huge vapor trail through the sky while flying over Russia has emerged online. The stunning video shot from another plane shows the long trail left behind a Boeing 787 Dreamliner. The plane was uh, flying over the east coast of Russia at the time and perfectly shows a condensation trail forming at 33,000 feet in the air. The person who filmed the uh, video wrote that uh, the contrail looks dark against the rising sun. Uh, he went on to explain that the trials are the result of hot exhaust mixing with cold air with a high moisture content. The new Boeing 787 Dreamliners are seen as revolutionary, new, greener, jet-lag-busting passenger planes. And obviously you've seen the, the video that Matt put on the screen there while, uh, while we're just, uh, while saying the story there. But that does that is one heck of an awesome video. Yeah. And it's in HD as well, which is even better. Um, but yeah, we can see on the screen there. No, <laughs> yeah. I mean that that looks pretty damn awesome. Indeed, yeah. And yeah. in fact, actually, for those of you listening to the audio podcast, we will put that in the show notes because that that is a, a stunning uh, bit of video that uh, I think yeah. has come through the Daily Mirror actually here in the UK. That's who it's being hosted with anyway. But mm. uh, it's 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 a fascinating sight. So uh, uh, on the subject of chemtrails, do we think this is a vapor? It's condensation, <laughs> is it, or or is this something we should be wearing? Are we ruining our planet as a result? I don't think I want to ask Grant. We'll move on to someone else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're wuss. Yeah, big wuss. Absolutely, complete big wuss. It's uh, anybody got anything to say about chemtrails? <laughs> Good. Well, no one. Good. No one. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. What was that? Say that again, mate. So it's either chemtrails or if you forgot to put the choke in. <laughs> oh, uh, exactly. the choke. Yeah, the well, choke. that is old school. <laughs> <laughs> I had a car that had one of those ones. Neurophycosis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Right, uh, we'll we'll move on to the next story before we. The next, the next yeah. I love this next story. Is awesome. I, it's, yeah. It's, if if this kicks, if this takes off, <clears throat> forgive the pun. Uh, really? Yeah. Right, if this well takes done. off, uh, this will be awesome to have this on aircraft. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, so this is on the business yeah. wire. The headline is the world's first ele- electroluminescent paint to light up wow. skies on the Airbus jet. That just sounds like, uh, no, mm, electricity on the, no, no, don't no, like no, it. it's, it's uh, the pain. It's, it's glowing in the dark, it? yeah. Right, so dark side scientific creators of Luminor, or uh, Luminor light-emitting coating, is working with European aircraft manufacturer Airbus to create a- electroluminescent, ooh, that's not a word I want when I'm tired, uh, electroluminescent exterior markings for aircraft. Um, it's, uh, this is a hideous story 
to try and read. So it's uh, this company, the cre- so Dark Side Scientific, the creators of Luminor Light Emitting Coating, is working with European manufacturers to create Airbus to create. Uh, said Pope, the announcement was made today. Luminor is the world's first and only patented electroluminescent paint. The product allows manufacturers to design with lights in ways previously impossible. It produces a single color light that is visible at long distances and shines through many types of atmospheric conditions such as fog, snow and smoke. Airbus innovation leaders say that they're impressed with the technology behind Luminor and see promising possibilities for the future. This is an exciting new product that can turn surfaces into functional elements in an unconventional way, says Vincent Lubier, who is the lead technologist at Airbus. Darkside Scientific has the spirit we look for in our partners. All right, so I'll spare you with all this sort of scientific rubbish, but it, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's its kind of like an upgrade to the, to the um, what, what was it? The you know the the uh, the sign that you'd have outside the pub, isn't it? Where they bend the tubes and stuff. I've forgotten the name of it. Oh, neon, 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 neon lighting. Neon. That's neon. It. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it would be much better to have a, a neon sign that's been stuck to the outside of the aircraft. That's yeah, that probably would, that would, safer. That would be a little bit less aerodynamic. I think, <laughs> Do you then, think um, it might have some yeah. kind of impact? I mean, I love I love the idea of it, but I, 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 the yeah. pictures look awesome. There's they a, there's do. A, yeah. There's a Let photograph on here of, up, yeah. uh, of the A three fifty dash one thousand. Yeah. Uh, with these with these luminescent uh, display yeah. and it looks Very it looks really I mean if airlines adopt a kind of you know liveries that have this kind of lettering on it'll it, it's yeah I'd, I'd like this yeah, I do like absolutely. this idea. here we go then as I say so for those of you watching it, it, YouTube. it could be good or it could be very very distracting, <laughs> oh, distracting. Yeah. Yeah. With, with, yeah. with my tower controller hat on that <laughs> yeah. Would be yeah distracting okay. quite that somewhat if everybody had that on well, do you I, think I, it'd be white noise after a while, though? Yeah, I suppose. Well, it, unless unless they put can they can they have it like an LED sign so it comes up with the flight number on the tail? That would be quite useful. God, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have something very similar on my coach with a little LED board at the back there that tells people what route number I'm doing. Yeah. I, su- I suggest you take yourself over to or Dragon's not in Den service. Yeah, well, yes, out of service. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, not working. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. I mean, a, a part of me, the geek in me, loves the idea of it. Absolutely loves the idea the of being able looks to awesome. paint something and then mm. just make it light up. But mm. uh, as I, I do very much see Ben's point, I suppose it's one of those. Where if you're at a stage where absolutely every single aircraft has this, then as Grant was pointing out, it would probably just become white noise. But I mean, when you first see that that particular thing that is going to be quite distracting when they first start to sort of land at your airport aren't they i mean it's going to be a, a bit of a thing and how when they say bright so you can see through fog and stuff i mean that's that suggests that it's going to be pretty damn bright pretty bright yeah 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 so it depends how they do it that is they, gonna be, go ahead ben. Sorry. if it replaces the logo lights that they have now that shine out up onto the vertical tail yeah that that would work but uh yeah, anything like if they're going to put it like they have on the 350 there, like a signboard on the side of the aircraft, that would be a little bit distracting. Yeah. But true. Ray's pointed out actually, yeah, it does. It's just got to be similar technology to what they have on the Hornets already, yeah. and a lot that of Navy aircraft thought. have the formation lights. Yeah. Yeah. The I think they've got them on the KC30 as well. Um, the MRTT yep. our tankers. Um, most of the Rafi aircraft will have these. Uh, but a lot lower intensity to what we're seeing in this photo here. Yeah. Uh, but they they help the guys um, formate at night and um, low light conditions. And 
I think they also show up reasonably well without overloading a um, night vision goggle. Right. But you can turn them off so for when you're doing combat. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hello, I'm here. Yeah. Huge time. There needs to be some kind of. There needs to be some kind Boom. of standardised ruling in relation to where and where you can't put that stuff just yeah, to uh, for that safety element. Um, and I certainly would prevent one of those uh, Korean air incidents occurring over Asia with a uh, with a fighter. Mm. Wasn't it KL seven, I believe, back in yeah. the eighties? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the eighties with no red light on the top. Was, I mean, you could argue yeah, if twenty-five they, was directed to if, shoot it. If they painted it all at the bottom, I mean, it'd take all of the fun out of Carlos's evening, where he quite often shoots outside because there's a plane flying over <laughs> and, <laughs> overhead and gets out flight radar twenty-four to work out what it is, etc. I mean, if it's all painted underneath, yeah. that'd take all the fun of it out of it for you, Carlos. I mean, honestly, there's nothing wrong with doing that, by the way. Uh, no, t- no, no, no. I, t- t- I realise I'm the one in the minority here. All right. You know what? You know what? Airline needs to adopt this on their on their. Um, Someone that aircraft. crashes into stuff. No, no, a lot. no, 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 no. Yeah. The the ANA <laughs> the Star Wars ANA. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You've got to pay up R two D two with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Matt Masher in the chat room suggested Iceland Air do it with their Northern Lights livery as well. Oh yeah, that would be good. What about? What about the eyes on the uh, on the Falcon? It's not on Falcon on the uh, on the Eagle on Frontier, Frontier Airways on the nose of that thing. <laughs> I mean, it all sounds amazing, but as as Ben quite I rightly pointed, I think they point- should do glasses around the. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, make make it look like they're wearing glasses. Yeah, yeah that is definitely good point, Kathy. And, and you know, hanging things. Why don't they put them around? You know, like the Himalayas. You could just put the lights around the mountains. Oh, I see. <laughs> what, yeah, do we like, <laughs> what do we put these things like spoky dokies on the uh, on the wheels when they come in for land? <laughs> yeah, that could work. Yeah. Oh, on each on each individual uh, turbine blade. Oh, oh, that would be yeah, so Yeah, you see, the trouble is... Yeah, that would be just I, getting worse. I know, I see now... Out of control, now, now. Uh, this is a <laughs> completely out of control, and I'm going back to, to Ben's original point where this could all be a tad distracting for anyone that actually needs to stare at the damn thing without, you know, fear of uh, bad things happening, uh, or, or is responsible for bad things happening once it's that close. Uh, <laughs> oh, there <laughs> you going to have some rice, boys. This week... We're going to have a bunch of people having a rave at the end of the runway. You want? No, they're going to have like down lights underneath the aircraft, and they're going to have you know all the all the. It's going to be like Fast and the Furious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, Drag drag racing down the runway. Go on, Kathy. Go on, Kathy. We live on. uh, We live on the edge of the control zone, control step system. On the just outside of Melbourne Airport, we're only about 45 minutes drive. So where I'm sitting right now, looking out that window, that window, that's got a curtain on it. Um, we can see the the jets coming over the mountain. So oh, I wow. think to have those neon lights would. Um, be quite disturbing while we're having our dinner. Yeah, do, you think, yeah. do you think UFO sightings will go up? Yeah, I think so. I think they'll go yeah. through the roof. <laughs> I think they would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a thought for us people out here in the country. Yeah, that's fair enough. To, yeah. That's what we're out here for. Yeah. You get away from the cows. The farmers won't like it because they won't milk on time. Oh, dear. We'll be like the scene out of Close Encounters where they come over the hill. Yeah, this is it. Oh, no. moving on. Yeah, we're going to move on to the next story, guys. Excellent input from everyone. This one is on the Australian. Matt's got a lot of I know. Yeah. No, I'm just going to chop the ends off. It's fine. This is uh, <laughs> this is on the Australian Aviation. dot com. 
.au website. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you like how Carlos has tried to, to regain control here? It's going really well. This is my my job this week. Trying control is an illusion. I, I actually thought Kathy was going to take control of all the guys. Yeah, yeah. If her Skype wasn't breaking up all the time, yeah. bless her, I think she'd be all over this. Yeah. So uh, the headline is, uh, and it, it's a, it's a, it's an Australian aviation. Is thing. it? Is that because it's our Australian special? So Embraer, <laughs> Embraer says the E195-E2 capable of operating Sydney, Bali, Darwin and Bangkok routes. I should call it the Down Under special, really. Otherwise, I'm, I'm excluding poor Glenn. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Embraer's new E195-E2 will be capable of flying between Sydney and Bali or Darwin to Bangkok after the manufacturer lifted the published range of the regional jet. Uh, in early June, Embraer said the E195-E2 would be capable of flying 2,600 nautical miles, an improvement from the previous figure of 2,450. Well, not a huge amount, is it, really? Come on. In, uh, uh, so the company has made changes to the wing, uh, and from uh, 2,000 nautical miles at the launch of the E2 regional jet program in 2013, so they have extended it a little bit. The improved range was based on the results of the flight test program so far. The maximum takeoff weight has increased to 61,500 kilos from 60,700 kilos previously. By way of comparison, Bombardier's Bombardier CS100 range <laughs> has a range of 3,100 nautical miles. Uh, range circles from Embraer. Uh, provided uh, to Australian Aviation show the E195-E2 configured with 120 passengers would be able to fly between Sydney and Bali, which is 2,495 nautical miles, or Sydney and Apia, uh, 2,336 nautical miles based on certain assumptions. Now, the, it's, uh, the engine that's on the E195-E2, Pratt & Whitney 1923, and uh, they've got on here, they've got a little comparison chart you can see on the website, actually, as well, if you've, uh, if you've got the websites up. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's good. We, ha we covered this uh, story on, the, uh, on this new aircraft, I think it was last week, when we had Stuart in the studio. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, I suppose this is good noise. Uh, good noise. Good noise. Good noise. Good, good, good news uh, <laughs> for, for you guys over there. Having, uh, having it, I mean, I haven't, um, no, I haven't flown on Embraer yet, actually. I did, didn't I? Had I had a chance. You have, yeah. yeah I did, you yeah. When, 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 when I went over the States, the, the little regional flight between uh, Washington, Dulles, and, uh, mm. and Pittsburgh was in a little Embraer. That was really quite nice. I, I really liked it. In fact, actually, my flight on the Embraer was a lot better than the Boeing 757-300. I don't yeah, know if anyway. I mentioned <laughs> that I didn't like that one very much. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that came up in conversation at all. Uh, Anyway, are these, are, these, <laughs> are these particularly busy or particularly popular routes um, uh, for you guys? Sydney, Bali, Darwin and Bangkok then? Well, Sydney, Bali's done with the 737 generally. So, I mean, yeah. you can fill the 180 seats on it. So, it's not thin enough for a 195. Yeah. The other big thing is if you look at the graph, um, these range diagrams that they've done are with no wind. And Sydney, too... Mm -hmm to Dempasar outbound is is against a fairly stiff breeze this time of the year, like about mm -hmm. 120 knots. Well, wow. so yeah, yeah. I I, so I the, love the, the 190. The you know, really bad. We, no middle seat. I think great windows. But <laughs> Virgin used this plane here in Australia um, a lot, and I think having that extended range would give them operational capacities to um, 
do return flights without having to refuel to some of their regional areas that they, they service with these flights. Not so much the ones going out and having to top up, but uh, being able to do a couple of trips on the one tank. Yeah, it's the biggest the biggest hassle I've got with Virgin at the moment is they're getting rid of the E-190. It's my favourite aircraft. It's oh. not the 195, it's the 190, so it's not quite as stretched, but it's beautiful. Uh, tech crews love it. Most of the cabin crews love it. The maintenance guys seem to love it. Most passengers like it. Uh, you've, the windows are about the same size as a 7.3, but they're higher, uh, mounted higher, so more at your shoulder height than at your elbow height, mm. so you don't have to bend down to look out. <laughs> and there's no dang middle seat. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, they're, I mean, Virgin Australia, it says in the story that uh, they're removing all 18 of their current generation E19s mm. by the end of this year. Wow, coming out of service very quickly mm. then. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have they it's been in service long? Standardised on a single type. Have they been in service long? Ooh, probably about the 190s. six years. No. Oh, right. Yeah, no, the 190s have not been here for long. It's just they decided they didn't want an aeroplane that small anymore, right. which I I'm think sure has something to do with buying Vara because they have F100s. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Wasn't it five or six years ago? Because I'm sure it was about that long ago. I posted the photo saying, honey, I shrunk the 737. <laughs> right. Yes, <laughs> it, it was. It, it is about that That. Uh, that sort of age, but yeah. the 190 yeah. is about a hundred seater, uh, and the F100 is also a hundred seater. So, right, um, we we did have a few of them on the west coast, and then they closed the uh, Embraer base here and put them all to the east coast. And they obviously they think there's not enough demand for them. Right. So they're sticking with the 73 product, which is a lot bigger aeroplane though. It's another 50 something seats. Yeah. Okay. So the next story, uh, penultimate story. Indeed, this one. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, a nice story. This it one. is. This is on the New York Post. So uh, brace yourselves, everyone. This is uh, <laughs> it, the headline: is uh, airline gives baby born on plane twenty one years of free flights. Well, that's nice. Uh, this mm. kid was born a frequent flyer. Christoph Carsten Lexken uh, made an early arrival on uh, aboard a Spirit Airlines. Oh, good, a Spirit Airlines flight after his <laughs> mum. Uh, or mom, as they like to spell it wrong here in America. Christina <laughs> Penton went into labour, labour spelt wrong, missing the U, shortly after takeoff <laughs> on a flight from Fort Lauderdale to Dallas. Everything started happening very quickly, said Penton, who was 36 weeks pregnant. I didn't think I was having the baby because it was too soon, but after a few minutes, I knew I needed medical attention. That's always nice. Let's uh, burn those seats when they get to the other end. The flight attendants contacted doctors on the ground and they were advised uh, and they advised the flight attendants to see if there was any medical personnel on board as it turned out there was a pediatrician and a nurse soon after that it was clear that i was having my baby and i was in pure panic the flight diverted to new orleans but baby christoph couldn't wait for the big easy as his 35 year old mum con uh, mum's contractions intensified and as waters broke at 50 minutes into the flight christoph made his made his emergency landing in the nurse's hands at a robust seven pounds and being 19.5 inches long a glowing penton later was photographed kissing her newborn son who was wearing a born-to-fly onesie and blue-fronted pyjamas, uh, blue-footed pyjamas, sorry, at the uh, medical centre nearby. Uh, she said that she'd been travelling with her two other kids, 11-year-old Lulu and 12-year-old Rob, that's going to scar them for life, en route, en route <laughs> to Phoenix. She knew... <laughs> 
<laughs> she knew there were some risks in flying uh, in the third trimester, but she had had a normal pregnancy, and there was no indication that she was going to go into labour, spelt incorrectly, missing the U early. The spirit crew was very attentive and took care of me throughout the flight, Penton said. Uh, they, they, truly helped, they truly helped me to make it... Uh, to make a terrible situation a really wonderful and rewarding one. Uh, so yes, so this kid has got basically 21 years to where they can fly wherever the heck they like within Spirit Airlines. Before we crack on with that story, we're going to say, go- say goodbye to Ray. Okay, mate. Because Ray's got to get away. Ooh, yeah. Ray? Yeah, sorry guys. Yeah, no problem. Th- yeah, thank- sorry about that, guys. Good old, good old time zones catching up again, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it's been it's been really cool. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, it's been one hell of a show so far. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, no pleasure. Thanks, mm-hmm. everyone. No, it's lovely to see you, Ray. Oh, the Daleks are in. <laughs> you, you know what it was? It's because it, it was. You know what it is? It's because it was the last episode of, of Doctor Who last night. That's what it is. And so the Daleks, who didn't get much of a look in in this series, are, are desperately trying to get in right at the end, aren't they? That's so probably uh, it. I think. I think. Kathy, hello. Mort calling awesome. Hello. Mort calling Hello. awesome. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah, we can, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Can you play us a little tune on your guitar before you go, Ray? Oh, yeah, do that. Um, I will <laughs> but I've actually got two broken strings on You've it at the moment, sorry. Strings. That's the worst <laughs> excuse <laughs> ever, honestly, yeah. That makes yes. it a bass. Yeah, yeah, and I've got a sore throat, <laughs> one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're good at the bass, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks ever so much, Ray, for, Cheers, Ray. for joining us. And, thanks, uh, guys. Take we'll care, catch Ray. up with you soon. Take care, Ray. Bye-bye. 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 So, uh, so yes, yeah, so, so a great story. Has anybody had so, any kind of thing like that happen in, in one of their flights? 21 years of free flights. Yeah. 21 for, years. For his whole family. Yeah, for the whole family. Whoa. If that's I a, was that baby, yeah, I'd be like, I'd be, I'd be mum on a holy every year. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just want to know, being Spirit Airlines and a low-cost carrier, what was the charge for giving birth to a child in flight? <gasps> they charge for everything else. <laughs> Oh, extra you seat. To, you had to buy the... <laughs> yeah, you got charged for an extra seat the minute you got on the ground. Yeah. How does that work with the gate when you get to the, to the uh, other end? Yes, the manifest is now wrong, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Passport control, passport control. Because well, babies yeah. do have to have a passport, you know. Right, okay. Yeah, I think there may have been extenuating circumstances yeah. in this one. But, yeah, but uh, no, the one thing that isn't really being said here is what the hell was she doing in the air anyhow? Because well, yeah. like, mm. if you're beyond seven, six or seven months, if you're in the third trimester, you can't fly. Uh, exactly. Are the rules different? At one, yeah, it wasn't even like it was a local flight either. She was, she was flying. Depends on the airline. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't it depend on the airline's grant? As I, to how many, I'm not uh, sure. I think there's. Weeks I don't. I think some of the airlines have it. I would have to look up the regulations. We don't know. Um, in the ballooning biz, we generally would say no preggies anyhow, but in case yeah. there was a, a, a bit of a bumpy landing, we didn't yeah. want that uh, hassle. No, um, don't want the paperwork. That's yes. <laughs> and, you know, there's there's a whole lot of reasons in yeah. ballooning you don't want a, an on-board birth. Yeah. But um, um, I, I honestly Hot don't towels, know if has to have a regulation about it. Yeah. I think it's that um, after six weeks or 38 weeks, if you've got a doctor's certificate, you can go. Oh, but right. I had, a, I had a lot of pregnancies. I've got three children and I had 11 pregnancies. And my airline pilot husband said, 
from towards the end when I kept losing the pregnancies, my husband said, "You're not to fly. It's not good for you." Right. Okay. It's not, it, he felt that um, being in the aeroplane in that. Um, Oh, what do you, oh, I can't think of the term. Sort of the he just said, the I don't think the general, popu the general um, population understand the condition that they're mm. in, the, yeah. the conditions inside the aeroplane. And so... Pressure um, differentials, temperatures, everything. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. And he just said, just stay home. So yeah. I didn't go anywhere. Yeah, it's a, it's it, it so is a funny I, one. I'm, for I'm, me, the idea of flying at thirty-six weeks or whatever it was is quite well, abhorrent. Yeah, very, very. <laughs> almost, some might, I suppose you could almost go say if you are say in the third trimester, it's, I, I'd, I'd risk saying almost irresponsible of you, perhaps, because the trouble mm -hmm. is if you had had problems during your labour mm -hmm. uh, at that stage, and you are, you know, because with the fastest diversion in the world, it may be a while, it may be forty-five minutes if you're over the mm. over the water. Yeah. I mean, it's a long time before you can get to anywhere where you could get any kind of medical attention and, uh, and we all know an awful lot etops etops now three hours mm. more yeah, yeah. You know, engines join or passengers swim yeah in, uh, in new zealand's topping that i think they've got 300 minutes on one of theirs at the moment yeah really gosh which is six, six well that's that's single engine so you i mean even with everything going for you but flat out you'd still be three and a half hours from somewhere yeah yeah, uh, before you, ten thousand um, feet Owen, chewing fuel. But if, but if uh, this uh, is the uh, point I'm making, yeah. if this is this if this is occurring, you're a long way away from any kind of medical assistance. I mean, you know, if you if you had a bleed or, or anything like that, I know, you know, you 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 only have a glorified first aid kit on board. Let's be honest. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know how much you can do in a situation like that. A lot can happen before you can get medical assistance. I think nine times out of ten people are generally lucky on flights there's always there seems to be always either a doctor or a, you know or someone yeah. with medical training apart yeah. the crew obviously got you know their their yeah. basic medical training but there's always normally someone who's luckily yeah flying yeah i guess know. so yeah uh, so the, anyway um, the king of hubshed is said in the chat room there that uh, 36 weeks in europe uh, but after 28 weeks you need a doctor's note Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I think it comes down to risk versus reward, doesn't it? How important is the flight? Yeah. What are the risks as opposed to the rewards? And perhaps you could. And argue I certainly did fly in the beginning when I um, was pregnant, but as it, you know, the dramas manifested. In yeah. the end, it was just like right, no flying, no carrying heavy shopping. Yeah. No nothing. Just to, so just to sort flying of was the first thing to go. Minim minimise the risks, I suppose, in, in, in a situation like that. But <laughs> I had to adopt the princess theory. Yeah, the excellent. Oh, best excuse yet. <laughs> Love so it. To top She's never got over it either. <laughs> oh, now look. Oh. Pack it in, you two, or I'll bang your heads together. <laughs> uh, okay. Do you We're guys know each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, think, I think there may be some history there. <laughs> We went, <laughs> we went ballooning once and we've been forever bonded. <laughs> right. Why? That bad a landing, eh? Okay, right. <laughs> We're going to uh, go on to our last story now. with one touch and go at, a, at an airport in a balloon. Go me. I'll give, I'll, I'll, no, I'll, I'll, I can say I'll give you touch great. and go. Moving on. Uh, on to the very last story. <laughs> uh, and it's uh, one of Carlos's favourite. We're going to go on to...
Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Accidentally hit that switch then. Did you? Um, right. So the last, um, <laughs> the, the last uh, story, it's, it's a kind of, it's a, it's a 10, it's a top 10-ish kind of story. Right. And, uh, okay. This one's on the avgeekery.com. Is it? I haven't heard of this website. I don't know why. Avgeekery.com. Okay. And it's the 10 popular aviation apps used by pilots and avgeeks. Now, I've looked through here. There is a couple on here which I use. Uh, there's some I hadn't heard of, actually, which is quite handy. So I'm going to... Download okay. those. Right. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so we are going to start off at the top of the list then. Uh, uh, so uh, here we go. As it is a top ten, then obviously we need to do this. <laughs> so in at number ten, we pass that straight on then, please. Grant, number ten, please. Instagram, a product I've never used. You've, you've never used Instagram? <laughs> never used Instagram? Okay. Wow. I, I'm amazed. Sorry. Uh, okay. Number nine, Carlos, please. Uh, at number nine, it is uh, My Radar Weather, or My Radar Weather Radar. That's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? I've never my, heard of that. My Radar Weather Radar. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, likely the most used live radar we've seen by pilots and personal airport personnel across the United States, Europe and Japan. My radar displays animated weather and its pinch and swipe display allows app owners to the ability to zoom in on a two mile stretch of weather. Okay, Mr. Bunting Frame please, number eight. Captain up periscope. I mean <coughs> periscope. <laughs> <laughs> Family show, please, children. Uh, <laughs> Kathy, please, number seven. What was the question? Okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs> number seven. I, I use Ev Plan. Is that No, 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 no. That's not number seven. <laughs> Grant, please, number seven. Oh, we love yeah. you, Kathy. <laughs> Grant, please, number, number seven. seven. Number seven. Flight Pilot Simulator 3D Ooh. rated the top flight sim app for Android and iTunes. You see, yet another thing I'm not using. Who okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, in at number six, please, Ben. Flight Aware. Likely the best application to keep your eye on upcoming commercial flights. And, well, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't got Flight Aware, shame on you. Indeed. It's also what I like to refer to as the stalker app for our various aviation <laughs> friends. Uh, and uh, at number five, <laughs> please, Glenn, what's number five? Uh, five is Cloud Ahoy. It's a pilot's training debrief logbook. Oh, Never wow. heard of it. So I guess to another part. He doesn't part. look convinced. No, no, indeed, absolutely. It sounds absolutely outstanding. Although it does have a picture of a Delta aeroplane, yes. so that, that must make it a good thing, perhaps. So anyway, number four, please. Who are we going to throw this to? Four, please. Let's say Carlos. Go on. Why don't oh, you number have four. a Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, I've got this app. I love this app. This is uh, number four. Live ATC is the only online application offering the most air traffic control feeds across America and the globe. Live audio de uh, delay. 40 seconds due to internet routing from the headset of the pilots and controllers live ATC can help future pilots learn the right and wrong ways to deliver quick departure information uh, to the tower. The average aviation geek interested in tuning in need not know the airport code just the country, state or city And in at number 3 it's an app that even I've heard of Grant <laughs> McCarran <laughs> Flight Radar 24, and I've got this one, and I Yay! use it more than Flight Aware. Hooray, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. And that really is the stalking app. Uh, in at number two, uh, let's say Matt Bunting Frame, please. Number two. 
for Flight 9. It's price, uh, pricey for the individual, but again, you'll get what you pay for. And this is a top app. It's basically used for people, pilots. American wow. list, American list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. Other, other flight planning apps are available. Of course, absolutely. And runways. finally, absolutely. it's top of the charts. It's in at number one. Carlos, please, oh, really? number one. Me? Oh, okay, uh, Garmin Pilot. Well, you'll only cry if you don't have I the know. last one. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Garmin Pilot, then, is uh, the top GPS app for the open skies. File your flight plan, navigate around storms, and keep an accurate logbook with this app. Pilots can view real-time VFR, IFR charts, and read the new METARs, TAFs, winds aloft, PI reps, air mets, sig mets, area forecasts, no tams, and have a bacon roll afterwards. Splendid. So that's Lovely. Garmin or, Pilot. Always one for the snackiest you are. Anyway, that is where we conclude. Garmin app and four flight, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah you know. Absolutely. And that is You're where we bring... Ones. Not only uh, our, our top 10 to a close, but also our aviation news for this week. We're going to move on very quickly now to uh, a great segment we've got from the legend that is uh, our, our very own new member of the team, uh, Mr. Nev Bounds. So uh, brace yourselves. We're going to have a little bit of a, a listen now to a passenger, bit. Nev's yes. passenger experience. Here we go. Hello, everyone. It's Nev here again with another passenger experience. This time we're talking to Amanda, and I spoke to her about the general state of aviation, the airport, the airlines, and this kind of thing. Really interesting chat with her uh, about her recent visit to China, but I first asked her, did she prefer to use the low-cost airlines or the full-service ones? Well, I prefer the full traditional. Um, very rarely go on the low-cost, find it. I don't really like that experience. I prefer being looked after, taken to my seat, that sort of thing. Much prefer that. And we were talking over dinner last night about your flying in China, and that was, <laughs> uh, that was a fantastic story that uh, you and Ed were talking about. Give us a bit of a quick summary about, about that, how that went. Yeah, very different from flying in the UK or anywhere else actually in the world. So we went on um, an Air China flight where it was about a three to four hour flight where they stewardess and stewardesses stood up and started just selling whatever they had on board. It was the most extraordinary experience. They, and obviously because we didn't understand what they were saying, it made it quite a bit tricky for us to know what we should be buying or we shouldn't be. Anyway, they hand out the sunglasses, the backpacks, everything was going down, everybody's trying on the sunglasses, looking in mirrors. It was absolutely crazy. I mean, you expect that on Ryanair, you know, the, the, the lotto uh, scratch card stuff at the end, don't you? But th this was a whole retail experience for the entire duration of the flight, by the sounds of it. And I think some people probably wouldn't have liked it. We also we were sat right at the front, and they have a marshal on every, on every flight in China, and they sort of check your passport details, they want to know who's going on, where they're going, especially if you're European, they, they're absolutely paranoid about where people are at any one point in time and that it was weird, it actually gave you a bit of sort of sense of security, you know, you didn't actually feel at any point you were in, going to be in any trouble and all the planes were brand new, they were absolutely fantastic and, and, and actually quite good service, quite good food, it was, it was good. So as weird as that experience might have been, actually, it turned out uh, that you, you quite liked it. Yeah, we did. It was, it was, I suppose, because it was so unique, and we were the only Europeans on the flight. They, they just didn't know what to quite make of us, a lot of the people. I mean, Ed had somebody sat down next to him, Ed, my husband, um, who 
was quite grumpy. He sort of sat down, didn't want to look at us. It was a bit really, really weird. And we were like, oh, gosh, not sure we like this, traveling with this person. And then suddenly he got out his phone and wanted to take selfies of us <laughs> and then started posting them on Facebook or, 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 you know, China's equivalent. And it was just like, well, this is a bit weird. But they just loved sort of being in a photo with you. It was very, very strange. Can you imagine doing that on a, on a BA flight to Barcelona? No, I think you probably get punched, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not going to happen. But it was, it was such an experience. I'm really pleased I've done it. Um, not sure I'd rush back, but um, they certainly, I think, better service, actually, than what you get in Europe at the moment. And what about the airport experience in China compared to the UK? How would you say that that, that fared? very similar actually we we went um through a hub port um airport called kunming and it was huge massive and they again the retail experience you know there was hugo boss there was prada there were all the shops that you would have in terminal five and and they want the same shopping experience that's what they want um so very very similar i'd say everything was in english as well as chinese so that made it a simple experience so it's very easy for people to get around um they have um i think it was when we came into beijing they did have a temperature controlled area that you had to go through and actually a couple in front of us got stopped and taken away somewhere because obviously they were showing high temperature but so they're quite paranoid about that um security was very very tight very tight so you felt very safe so it was good experience in that respect do you think there's anything that the British airports could, could learn for, from some of that, uh, the, the, the efficiency o over in China? Yeah, they're definitely more efficient. I mean, they would have had as many flights coming into Beijing as, as Heathrow, I'm sure. Um, it was very organised, very regimented, but that's what you expect from, from an Asian country, actually. That's how they, they operate. So I think it was very good. I think they could learn a lot. And what do you think about the, the retail experience that our airports give us I in the UK? Is that something which appeals to you or, or not? I don't mind it, but I very rarely even bother looking in the shops. And when you do walk past them, they're usually quite empty. So it's, it seems strange. And, and I think everybody's cottoned on to the fact that actually the prices aren't that much cheaper, um, if they are cheap at all. So, uh, no, I, I, I actually like the lounge experiences. I mean... We're, we're very, very lucky that we, we are um, a silver member with BA, so we can get into the lounges when they're not too full. But we, we enjoy that, um, just maybe being away from the hubbub of everything. So I think that's a good experience. Yeah, brilliant, Amanda. Well, thanks ever so much indeed for talking to us today. Really appreciate it. No problem. You're most welcome. <laughs>
Trent Dane for 23 Arm Manchester, Wizz Air 6X, Climb Flight Level 210, direct to Britain's Park. United 123, maintain 280 knots. anymore. I'm Steve Fisher. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket, anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. Oh. <laughs> Very offensive. <laughs> oh, God. It's oh, nice to hear Steve's voice, yeah, anyway. Absolutely, yeah. There we are. So, uh, yeah, guys, it, it is time to sort of start wrapping up the show. Thank yeah, you we, so we, very much. We have for, to wrap things up swiftly for uh, participating, everyone. Kathy, uh, thank you so very much for joining us with our little Australian special. I know we've had a few technical problems at your end, thanks to you living in a beautiful part of Australia, essentially nowhere near any kind of civilization. And uh, <laughs> it's been great. Uh, thank you so much for for agreeing to join join us in our little special today. I, never much, I have a lot of things worth listening to. I, I, I'm not sure I got that, but anyway. <laughs> Honestly, it's going really well. Uh, <laughs> we need a translator. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anyone speak Dalek? Uh, it's, uh, it's all good. So, yeah, indeed. Yeah, very good. I'm so glad that we've managed to get to this far of the show with, with, without her uh, falling off completely. So uh, I think we should cut our losses there. Seriously, Kathy, thank you so very much. Uh, for joining us and we'll try and get you get get uh, a better way of talking to you in future perhaps and we'll have you on again soon but thank you so very much for joining us uh, mr bunting frame thank you so very much it's been nice to have you on the show at you're long welcome. last you're welcome thank you very much for uh, inviting me on it's um, been a privilege it's been, yeah and uh, we got there in the end didn't we glenn you thought we finally we got you yeah we finally <laughs> we did we did finally got there in the end absolutely Sky. yeah what yeah you, you and me both i'm working out a new way of doing it it's fine i'll, I'll find a better way of doing it next time <sighs> sorry I was, i'm just i'm just i'm just going i'm, I'm reading reading the show notes because obviously we've had to skip things along quickly so we've missed out the military news but um, um and there, there was a few questions that we we're going to ask everyone uh, before we wrap up so we'll, we'll just ask the last question I think. oh go on then the yeah one. okay yeah so hopefully this will work kathy um uh, i mean i'm, I'm <laughs> Good scared luck, everyone. i'm scared kathy's going to say the tardis <laughs> right, for this question okay. um but uh where <laughs> Where, so, uh, Cathy, um, um, I think we've, we've probably asked you this before, but um, uh, favourite aircraft, either retired or flying, military or commercial, name it. Uh, I don't 
the last. No, no, I, nope. I okay. think that was a TARDIS. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that sure. Was, yeah, that absolutely. Um, <laughs> exterminate. Yes. Uh, okay. um, <laughs> moving along the top top of the screen, uh, Mr. Bunting Frame. Come on, that question for you as well. My favourite aircraft of all time, flown on, was a seven four four hundred up the top on the, the top deck. Uh, military, all time. Geez, oh, you can't go past the SR seventy one hmm? or A twelve. Oh, it's nice to hear a different choice, actually. Mr. Towler. Um, I'd say the de Havilland Mosquito. Such a cool aeroplane. Did everything you could possibly think of for strike and reconnaissance. Lots, yeah. The de Havilland Mosquito, yeah. Yeah, good, good. Now, this must be such a hard question for you, Ben, because obviously you see so many, but can you pick a favourite? Either retired well, or still flying. It's not going to be many of the ones I deal with on a on a daily basis. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> no, it's the, the Spitfire is, Yay, is my personal that's what I like. personal favorite. Yeah, I love the love the Spit. Or um, if it's one that I've actually flown, then the Cirrus. Oh, the Cirrus, yeah, yeah nice. the Cirrus is a great airplane. Yeah, and other than a balloon, Mr. McCarran. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Yeah, it's full, of, full of hot air, then, yeah. anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I know that look. That's the oh, what am I going to say now? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Matthew took uh, the SR seventy one, and uh, uh, Glenn took the Mosquito. But you know what? Um, okay, the best one I've ever flown on in terms of fun was a seven two seven with Anset, where I did the whole flight on the jump seat. Uh, that oh, was really good back in the good old days. Um, the my favourite aircraft though uh, would probably be the Sabre, and I'd oh. go with um, you know the Australian. I, I to be honest, I don't care if it's Canadian, American, or Australian version. The the, the Sabre was the last of the gunfighters, uh, direct descendant of the P fifty one, beautiful aircraft, uh, handled amazingly, and it was mano a mano type of thing. What um, you know, not so much hand to hand fighting, but it was you know. The last of gunslingers. Um, you really had to fly it properly, and uh, yeah, an amazing aircraft. Beautiful to see, and uh, really enjoyed watching watching uh, one of the restored Australian ones flying uh, at Wings Over Illawarra recently. Actually, uh, Richard Adams is saying, isn't there an airworthy mosquito in New Zealand now, Glenn? There's many of them. Oh, is there one in, in New Zealand? Oh, cool. Okay. Well, New Zealand's got a production well, line no, at Ardmore. No, no, yeah, they're building them, yeah. They've all been yeah. sent overseas. There are oh, Seattle see. and mm. Virginia Beach, and that's it, yeah. isn't it? There's just two. Mm. Then there's one in Canada. They fly for a bit. They build themselves. They fly for a bit, and then they go go to their owners. Right. Mm, fair, yeah, they sell point. them. They they build them, and then they yeah. sell them on to. to they're actually building one in Auckland right now, Ardmore, or New yeah. Zealand for someone in New Zealand. Yes. I can't remember his name now. Wow. But, uh, I thought, yeah, I thought that one, one was pretty close. Isn't that one? I think there's one more coming before the New Zealand one, though, mm. because there was, there's been two, there's a third one just about done, and then I think the New Zealand one's the fourth one, and then there's probably another couple. Oh, okay. That, uh, yeah. I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. I think you might be right, but I'm not sure. I know they've got a production line going. Mm. At Ardmore. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, it's like at um, Wangaratta where um, Doug Hamilton, um, he purchased the company that does the restorations there. They've got a P40 production line because mm. they've got the jigs and all that set up and they're just churning them out. Wow. That's awesome. 
That's very good. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's where we uh, begin to... Uh, we, <laughs> he says, just checking with Carlos that I haven't missed anything else from the show notes I never read. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oops, that's me in trouble. <laughs> so we are, we are going to bring episode 171 to a close of the Plain Talking UK podcast. And uh, just a massive thanks to all our guests who have joined us, uh, mm. joined us live uh, from... From across the pond this morning. Indeed, and obviously, let's not forget, obviously, Ray, who was who yeah, joined us a little bit well, earlier. Thank you so early. much to him yeah. for for being on the show. So that is where we uh, wrap things up. Thanks every uh, thanks every a bit. Uh, you finish it. Thanks, <laughs> thank, thank you, everyone, for That's joining us. Yeah. Don't forget, find us. Uh, <laughs> don't forget to find us on Facebook. Uh, find us on Twitter. Look us up uh, on the podcast site www.plaintalkinguk.com. And, uh, yeah, just catch up with us on there. If uh, any of you next week, by the way, this is aimed at our UK listeners, if any of you next week are actually in the Duxford area, do, don't forget that it's the uh, big Duxford air show uh, that's taking place next Sunday. And Flying myself, legends. Flying Legends, and myself and Carlos and several other listeners, including the lovely Myla, uh, and uh, I think Nev is hopefully coming, yeah. and yeah. Uh, possibly Pip and possibly Captain Pip, Al yeah. and all that kind of thing. But anyway, if you are at uh, the Duxford uh, uh, Flying Legends air show, uh, come and find us, because uh, we will be there on the Sunday. So uh, make sure you come and say hello. So that's it then. Massive thanks again to everyone who's joined us in the chat room today or everyone who's in the chat room chatting away there at the moment as well because it is early in the States, I think, at the moment. So yeah. big thanks to you guys and girls over there. And, uh, well, that's it then to, uh, to everyone, all our guests on Skype. I'm say waving. goodbye, everyone. Say, say goodbye. Say goodbye, Bye. everyone. Bye. Bye. Everyone and prosper. Getting an old plane, fool!